With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hoaxbusters call. Join the discussion by dialing 724-4744. Call ID 90337. Well, hello. Hey, how you doing, everybody? It is now Monday, December 26, 2016. Uh, for all you numerologists out there, yeah, what's going on? This is uh, Chris, and I'm the host of Hoaxbusters Call. We're doing Hoaxbusters Call right now. And we're going to, I guess we'll, oh. yeah, let's go to the chat. See who's on the chat. We got Deciphering BS, Not So Freemason, Nature Never Lies, Side Girl, and Simon Barr Sinister. Uh oh. All right. Good. Good to have you all out. Uh, right on. Right on. Well, well, well. Uh, looks like Deciphering BS found a quote, and I like it. So I'm going to go ahead and deliver that to the listening audience. It says, when plunder becomes a way of life for a group of men in a society, over the course of time, they create for themselves a legal system that authorizes it and a moral code that glorifies it. And that's uh, attributed to Frederick Bastey. Something like that, yeah. That's a good one. And uh, it's fitting with something I ran across a little bit ago. Actually subscribe to Brass Check TV. And from time to time, I'll get an interesting... Uh, they'll send you YouTube videos. But uh, yeah, they'll be... From time to time, I'll get one that's pretty interesting. Uh, this one I just got today titled Every Day is Christmas for the Police. So, okay, what was that talking about? But I talked about this before a couple of calls ago, how, uh, I don't know, it's just, the, it's just this thing, and it goes along with, uh, this this idea, oh, you know, you live in the greatest country on earth, Chris. Don't you know the United States of America is the greatest country ever, and today it's the greatest country ever, period. Most freedom, nobody has freedom but United States citizens, and on and on and on. Oh, you know the drill. It's the same. 
thing you hear all the time from people, patriotic people, patriotic folks. I I'm not patriotic because I don't I don't believe in the U.S. of A. It doesn't. Ex- I mean, it's not. It's 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 some fictional construct, and not not to go into all that again. But yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't. You really have to define it, and and who can really define it? I don't think anybody can really define what it is. Well, it's it's freedom, Chris. Like, ah, uh, I don't know. It's freedom. I uh, here's an example. So this back to this video. Every day is Christmas for the police. It's talking about asset forfeiture seizure. But um, let me. I'll just play it. This this all. This is just a minute of it. This guy is doing his sort of analysis on this and it's it's just it, it the reason why I bring it up it's it's just really interesting in light of you know you could have this kind of stuff going on or allegedly going on or whatever this is a real story I think it's a real story I think they really do ask that forfeiture seizure it's a real occurring everyday deal in the United States nowadays and if you're not familiar with it it's where you're not convicted of a crime. You're just suspected of a crime or you're under, I, I don't, I, I, exactly. The criteria seems very, uh, it, you know, it's not, it's not something as a form of punishment. It's almost like in the course of punishing you, the police just seize your stuff, you know, your money or whatever. Like they pulled, like the, I was talking about how the high, highway patrol can, pull you over on the side of the highway. And then, you know, if you have any cash on you, they just take it because, you know, you might use it for something bad. They don't want you doing that, but you know, let it, let us take that money because, because it could be used for something bad. Right. And that's, I, I guess that's the whole idea behind it. You know, you could, you, you could conceivably, if you have like a couple of thousand dollars in cash in an envelope and there's been, you know, I've, I've heard cases too, where they, pull the dude over and he's got several thousand dollars in a envelope. And I don't know what the guy was thinking. He, he, he was, he was thinking according to him, like, you know, that's what he says. He was going to go buy a car off a, you know, a, a private party and, and just pay him cash. Dude, remember you're in America. This is not, you don't, what are you thinking, man? But anyway, yeah, he, the the cop pulled him over for I don't know a burnout taillight or something. Oh, we're gonna search your vehicle, sir. And he's like, okay, officer, I guess if if that's what you want to do, I'll let you search. And he searches the vehicle, and then he's got several thousand dollars cash in the envelope, and they just take it. Nah, so, uh, we'll go ahead and keep this. I I I was gonna I don't know, like what are you doing? Like uh, oh, you know, you might use that for drugs. We're gonna go ahead and take. It. So apparently they routinely do this now, but uh, they they passed some law in here in Oklahoma too, where they could. I, it's hard not to laugh, but I mean it's so incredible. But yeah, they'll take they they take ATM too. And so it's like, yeah, they make it convenient for you at least. You know, you, you know, if you happen not to have cash on you, they, they'll take. Uh, I think all major credit cards and and ATM. And uh, run it through. They have this. They have swipers on too. On the, I guess I don't know. They carry them around with them, and they swipe and they say, "Yeah, what, you, know, you got, yeah, you got too much money in your bank account. Even, what are you going to do with that? You know, buy, you can buy drugs with that." 
So yeah, no trial, no nothing. They just you know, just just take it. And I and I wanted to this too how I got uh, I got arrested after getting in a single car accident, and I got arrested because I wasn't I, I wasn't paying enough obeyance to the to the authorities. Like uh, I was trying to go get retrieve some of my property, and then they were saying, "No, you're you're answering our questions now." I I didn't know that I was under arrest or under detainment. I didn't I had no idea. I was just like, oh, "Okay, let me." And apparently I was under, I was already being detained. I didn't even know. And it's like, nope, you're going to jail now, son. I was like, what the hell is going on? And I was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And then, and, and incidentally, this video is in New Mexico. I don't know what's going on in New Mexico, but uh, it, funny enough that if you put in New Mexico in the Gematria thing, it comes up 666. I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's not that I'm into Gematria, but I was, uh, this is a whole nother story, but I was, the other day I was on the Gematria calculator and uh, I'll go into that in a minute. But anyway, uh, I'll just play a minute of this here before I forget. We always try to get every once in a while, like, maybe a good car, and there was a stakeout at a bar, and this guy drives up in a 2008 Mercedes, brand new, just just so beautiful. It just, I mean, the cops were undercover, and it was like, ah! And he gets out, and he's just reeking of alcohol. And it's like, oh, my goodness, we can hardly wait. So he goes in the place, and they refuse to serve him because he's drunk. So what he does, he pulls out his credit card, and he buys drinks for everybody. And he says, I want you to know that I'm not drinking. It's for you. So he does, and our police are just excited as they can be. And he walks outside, and just as he's about to touch the car, our police officer goes, Whack! You're under arrest. For what? Being drunk while driving. And he didn't have control of the vehicle. You don't have to drive a vehicle in New Mexico to control it. Sleep in it. Lay on it. Do whatever you want. And so we thought, damn, we got a 2008 Mercedes-Benz. This is going to go to auction. This is going to be great. We can put all of our junk out there, and this will be the big seller. And lo and behold, we finally get the facts that he didn't have control. And so we have to, like, gulp, and back goes his car. Because we didn't – it was drunk. He's had previous drunks, but he just didn't – we didn't wait. We should have left the door open, sat down. Hello? Pop. Then we'd been all right. But so we gave it back. That's just one of the little goodies that we got. Yeah, there you go. Oh, okay. Uh, that was Harry S. Connolly Jr., the city attorney of Las Cruces, New Mexico, spoke at a continuing education seminar for local prosecutors and law enforcement officials in Santa Fe about civil asset forfeiture. And I think that's interesting for a lot of reasons. I mean, talk about this thing called law. Is that uh, it's just I I don't know it's it's it's, it's, it think about it for a second it was like okay this guy's drunk and uh, he's going to get in his supposedly get in his car and drive anyway but I I didn't even know this I I I had never heard of this before but apparently this goes on now I, I don't know like. For, for drunk drivers, I, I think this is maybe important information since uh, you have this New Year's 
holiday coming up where it's like a lot of a lot of people like to go maybe get some drinks and whatnot. And you don't have to be drunk to be pulled over and I, I guess get your vehicle snatched. I don't know. They do that now. Like, oh, that's our car now. I guess depending on how, like this guy's saying, a beautiful 2008 uh, Mercedes or whatever. Uh, but just just one thing I, I, I'm thinking of this here is I, I just got to listening to this is that they have this like really bizarre this thing about the law. It's like this this legalistic sort of maneuvering where they're they're oh well we didn't technically get the guy in the car then he would have been in control of the car even if it was his car and he was making motions and obviously he was going to get in it so therefore we had to let the guy keep his car but if he had if we 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 have this tech, we had this technicality we had to uh adhere to which is that that's an interesting thing about the law it's like this and here here's the thing about it and and I think this is uh maybe a little bit maybe maybe I'm reading a little bit too much in this thing called law or or what have you I think that there is a method to the madness cuz that sounds just read okay you're going to take the guy's car with no okay back backtrack a little bit you have this thing called the Constitution, and we're, and we're hammered into our heads that we have this due process of law thing, or you know, you have to be convicted in order to, you know, have your stuff snatched or, you know, go to jail or whatever. You know, you have, but you know, you can be held in jail, of course, until you get bonded out. But then, you know, you can you, you get that on time served, or you get a sentence or whatever. But no, they could like they they'll just like confiscate or take your stuff, basically steal it. But then they have this technical kind of rule that they're following so that the guy if he you know uh, if we would have just waited three more seconds for him to get his ass in the seat we would have had his car and and that's that sounds on the surface it sounds just totally nonsensical it's like okay so you know if you're in the process of just snatching the dude's car with no due process which is i I don't know how that could not be you know quote unquote unconstitutional because you can't have it both ways. You can't have due pro. Oh, well, this is due process, and then due process laws are high. You know, and then you don't obviously don't have it. And at the same time, there there's this little niggling little detail that oh, if we would have just waited, we would. see. I think that what this does is they will stick by a a, a set of criteria. And this has nothing to do with what's right or fair or anything. The law has nothing to do with that. But what what's necessary for this thing called law? It has to it has to present itself with a certain air of legitimacy. It has to be presented to the public, or even the people that are participants in it, like this 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 district attorney guy or something like that, as if it's you know, we want to pretend like, and I'm, and I'm putting emphasis on pretend like, that it has this, um, like, there's some objective quality to it. Like, you know, there's this, okay, you know, we have to stick to X, Y, Z. 
you know, uh, you know, and, and because we're, you know, upholding the quote unquote law. And, uh, and I think part of all of this is it's important to like maintain adherence to these pre prescribed set of rules. That doesn't mean that they're going to, you know, follow the quote unquote constitution or whatever like that. Because I, as I've heard it explained, I don't know. I'm not a legal guy. I don't. I'm not a legal expert at all. That's like, oh, we're not under constitution anymore. We're under this corporate blah blah blah. Whatever. It's okay. Fine. Whatever. Whatever the case. It's like obviously, it's obviously all done under deception, which you know I, I think would automatically disqualify it and render it illegitimate. That's the way I look at it. It's like I don't need to understand that it's you know, admiralty law or sovereign, any of that. I don't need to know any of that. I don't even, it's like, it's like, okay, I already know right now this is not legitimate because it's like, Chris, how do you know? Like you haven't gone in to the admiral. You haven't gone into the, the cracking in the code book that was put out, talked about all that. You got to know how you're a, you, you, you're not, not only you're a state citizen, you're not a federal citizen and under the common law, you have these certain inalienable rights because you're not under common law. You're under federal law, and when you're born, you're given a birth certificate. It's like a birth relating, like it's like I don't care, man. I don't want to know any of that. It's like what's the point? It's like obviously was so it started out good, and then it got corrupt, it got turned around and twisted, and now we're. It's like well, what difference does it make? It, how was it ever legitimate in the first place? But anyway, there. You know, but going into this is like, yeah, we're going to we're going to snatch the dude's vehicle with no due process or anything, which would be obviously a violation of the quote unquote Constitution, however you want to read it. Right. I mean, it's got it. Doesn't it have to make some kind of don't they have to adhere to some coherent logic? Well, obviously they're not. Uh, OK, the guy is just admitting, OK, we're going to sna- we're going to snatch the dude's car. And take possession of it, and he's not even been convicted of uh, any kind of crime at all. He he alludes to the guy was convicted before, whatever. Doesn't mean he's guilty. It's like he, you know he didn't drive anywhere, so he 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 probably obviously was going to drive somewhere, but see he hadn't committed a crime or whatever. I mean, there's supposed to be these procedures that they you know that has to do. I call it due process. So like he he obviously didn't get is what I'm trying to say. But see, at the same time. They're referring to this. It's all arbitrary, man. That's what I'm trying to say. It's arbitrary. It's like, and it's like a smokescreen. It's like you could focus in on this little distraction issue, and then they can have this like agreement to adhere to it and see. Oh, see, he got technically got off the hook and blah blah blah. See, we're sticking to the rules, or you know, I mean, we're gonna, you know, steal the guy's property, no due process, but we're, we're sticking to the we're sticking to the quote unquote rules. It's like, what are these rules, officer? And then I've had conversation after conversation with these people. Do they know what the hell they're talking about? I, if they do, they don't have a way to make it coherent to me. And I think I'm, I, I think I'm at least capable of understanding a coherent argument, or when I'm hearing something that makes logical sense, I can identify that. Yeah, okay, that makes that that's consistent logic, or it's, uh, and then I can also recognize when it's self-contradictory. I, I'm not. I know I can. I can at least do that. I have some basic, you know, 
cognitive abilities and comprehension, you know, the basic comprehension level so that it's like, oh, you just got through just directly contradicting yourself. And I can point that out. But it's like with these people, it's like. What, what is going on in their heads? They're, they're, they, they are not operating that way at all, at, at all. It's like in, in uh, oh, I got several recordings and stuff of these people too i I got on a wall of calls you can check it out but listen to them are they are and ask yourself is this is is this consistent coherent talk and the answer to me is no obviously not but uh you know well you you know here you go it's like uh and, and so they're extending this uh asset forfeiture forfeiture seizure when it initially was under the pretext that like oh see now we got these bad bad drug dealers out here and they're real bad bad men and see now nobody's going to care if they get their 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 stuff taken because uh well they obviously acquired all their you know Lamborghinis and their mansions that with bad bad drug money so that you know, in, in, and everybody knows that the police are the good guys. And why shouldn't they benefit from that stuff instead of the bad guy having it? It's very simplistic kind of reasoning. And they also had a whole TV series that was kind of like dealt with all that. And that was around the time they started implementing these laws. It's a program called Miami Vice. And it's like they're driving around in this shit hot Ferrari and all this stuff. And it's like, that's it for your seizure going out on the patrol in our Ferrari, which they don't really drive. It's doing sting operations and all that. And it's just nonsense. But, uh, but see, they have to sell the people on the idea because, oh, that's a good idea. Take the bad, bad man stuff and give it to the police, the good, the good guys. And it's like, yeah, okay. You like that, huh? So you get, you get the smell or the cop thinks he smells alcohol on your breath and your car is going to Asset for procedure. You, oh, you didn't know you were a bad guy? Yeah, you're a bad guy. You you, you drank a beer before you got in the car, didn't you? Well, I, I was, I'm not drunk. It's like, a, uh, bad guy. It's like, okay, not only, here's the thing. It's like the law def- defines bad guy. You don't get to define bad guy. Oh, you said drug dealer bad guy. It's like, well, it's like, uh, yeah. So based on what? They take and sell something that grows out of the ground. I mean, farmers do the same thing. Well, see, Chris, this stuff gets you high. It's like I, I, I know, but it gets it. You know, a lot of plants will do a lot of stuff. A lot of plants will make you sick. A lot of plants will get you high. A lot of plants will, it, you know, you can eat the roots and make a meal out of it. Eat some potatoes, fry them up, and eat them. It's good. It's like plants, you know, they grow out of the ground. Like when you start legislating this stuff, it's like, you know, the sky's the limit is what I'm saying. It's like for the uh, so-called authorities, like they have authority over God's creation, too. It's like, well, we can't can't participate in this part of God's creation because we we regulate and control it. It's like, oh, really? So, oh, you're God now? Uh, Pretty much, yeah. So, like when they take your car, when you go out partying on New Year's, just... Oh yeah, Chris told me about that. He told me. He tried tried to warn me, but uh, 
But no, I mean, but just remember, like, you know, you're in the freest country in the world, too. That's another thing. Just keep repeating that over and over to yourself. But uh, no, it's just amazing. It's amazing. And uh, it's so, so, it's so disconnected from, uh, yeah, coherent logic or anything. Uh oh. People can't hear me? Is that what they're saying in the chat? One, two, one, two. Test, test, test. One, two, one, two. Looks like audio looks good on this. Check this. One, one, two. Loud and clear on my end. Oh, thanks, Matt. Okay, here, Nature Never Lies says. Okay. Yeah, there may be... uh, Yeah, if somebody can't hear, maybe it's an issue on your end. Uh, Maybe your connection or something is dropping packets. I don't know. That's the techno-speak. Dropping packets, dropping packets. I don't know what that means, but I've heard somebody say that before. It sounds good. But right, right, right. Yeah, the law and the law, the law. Um, well, apparently they do that now. So, it's, you know, heads up. Public service announcement. Cops will snatch your shit. And uh, no due process. You won't get a trial or anything. Just take it. Because you were drunk driving. You're bad guy. Yeah, bad guy. That can mean a lot of different things. You know, littering is bad. You know that uh, walking a dog without your going outside permit, I mean, your ID, that's bad, too. That can land you in jail. Uh, Yeah, yeah. You're See, now, most people listening to this call think, probably think that they're a good citizen and that they obey the law, but you really don't. You probably violate countless laws on a regular basis, and you don't even know it, but... Not that I'm not saying this the fear monger and say we should be in fear of the government because you know has it have you went to jail for being in a car wreck like I have no I mean will you likely it happened to you probably not because like I always point out it's like however many cops there are there can only be so many and there can only be so many bureaucrats and people like that and they're like a very tiny minority of people so that's the one thing I think needs to be kept in mind with all this, and the same is true in China or North Korea or whatever country you're talking about, is like the, the, the people that identify as government are the very small minority. Uh, so that I think that's always a good thing to keep in mind. Uh, like my grandpa always said, if you see a cop, turn around and go the other way. He really did say that, and I, I think that's good advice. But here's a book that I got, and the title is World as Laboratory by Rebecca Lamov, or Lamo, Lamov, L-E-M-O-V. All right. So I want to just read a couple of paragraphs here. This is out of chapter five, Circle of Fear and Hope. 
It's a little bit of reading here. Uh, I don't. I'm figure out where I can start. Let's see. Uh, if you Google the name O Hobart Moorer, you will come upon a reasonable number of hits. One dictionary of psychology names him as a pioneer of comparative psychology. A who's who book lists him as one of history's most influential behavioralists. And another list posted by the Review of General Psychology in 2002 has him 98th among the 100 most most eminent psychologists of the 20th century, just above Anna Freud and far below Sigmund. Multiple sites credit him as the man who cured... uh, enuresis, or bedwetting, through a behavioral feedback technique of his own invention. There are a smattering of links to alternative medicine websites on biofeedback. Uh, Continue searching, and you will find in the standard descriptions of now somewhat obscure, if evidently respectable personage, a phrase along the lines, uh, leading innovator in the imposition of avoidance learning conditions, quote-unquote. Reading such a dry description today, you could scarcely guess that what went on in Moore's laboratory and the context, both scientific and social, in which his experiments were carried out. Nor would you be likely to suspect that they have had a tremendous impact on the most intimate spheres of ordinary everyday life in the dawning 21st century, but they have. But briefly, Moore discovered that what constitutes fear in the laboratory, this discovery along with linked discoveries by his cohort at the Yale Institute of Human Relations formed the basis for the most advanced methods of radically changing behavior in experimental animals and human beings. Even now, these methods hold up. In effect, his work displayed how an animal, quote-unquote, rewires itself under conditions of escalating stress. Exactly how coercive could a situation become? To what extent and how quickly could one make an animal, quote, learn to act differently from its ingrained patterns. Moreover, felt that students, as well as criminals, normal people, as well as sex deviants, for that matter, housewives, as well as guinea pigs, could be subjected to his coercive environments and emerge different from how they were before. I'll skip down to this part where it says, uh, when he arrived at Yale in 1934, Ohobar Moore was on his third postdoctoral fellowship, then is now to be on your third postdoc, postdoc was a dismal predicament, the academic equivalent of being always the bridesmaid, never bride. Real professorships were scarce at the height of the Depression, and Moorer, having completed graduate work at John Hopkins, was forced to take the wandering path of the perennial fellowship recipient. He had in his hand a body of, of work using pigeons to explore vestibular nystagmus. Quote-unquote, this was a condition of dizziness induced in in a pigeon by strapping the bird to a steel rod and rotating at various speeds while hooded, or in some cases with the eyelids sewn shut from birth, to stimulate blindness. Moore's thesis work asked how animals orient themselves to space. Specifically, he wondered what factors accounted for their stumblings when they were released from the contraptions. At Yale, he spent two more years investigating the, uh, quote, 
protracted after effects of continuous body rotation, unquote, on dizzy pigeons. And then he began to broaden his range. So I'll skip forward here to this part. He's talking about the pigeons, spinning them around and around and around, trying to figure out what made them stumble. I'm guessing it has something to do with them strapping them to the yeah, the rotating stick and spinning them around and around. Maybe that made him dizzy, but I, I'm not a scientist, so I don't know. Uh, in the key post-pigeon experiment at Yale, Moore strapped a human subject face down on the table and hooked his wrist up to electrodes that could deliver electric shock. Moore does not record how strong the shocks were, but in an earlier version of the experiment, one of the few performed at the, at the Institute by Hull, the current ranged in intensity from 3.3 amperes to 7.6 volts, adjusted the subject's ability to endure it. And Moore's version of light that was visible to the subject would flash. An electric shock would either follow or not follow at the experimenter's discretion. The initial results found something unanticipated. Uh, people started to sweat before they received any actual punishment. Uh, quote, it was noted that during the early stages of the study that the subject almost always showed a sizable galvanic response, unquote. That is, increased skin co conductivity, a measure of tension to the light on its first presentation before the shock had ever been presented. A significant portion of subjects elected not to continue the experiment at this point. Uh, the spike in galvanic response happened only when the electrodes were attached. If the electrodes were left unaffected, that is, there was, you know, there was no chance of shock and the subject knew it, uh, there was little or no skin reaction. When the subject anticipated a shock at any moment, anticipation elicited fear as effectively as the shock itself. Here was the key. The shock was merely a threat and was not necessarily delivered, or only rarely so. In other words, Moore found that the thing that subjects were afraid of harmed them less than their anticipation of it. The pain of electric shock was nothing compared to the, the pain of expecting it. The point was not so much that one had ever noticed this before, but that no one had made a science of it. The dynamic of escalating fear and trembling was observed, measured, and isolated in the lab, and it could be replicated in other situations. The stimulus that the, experiments, that the experiment isolated was named the, quote, coercive stimulus and led to a new kind of response response, a state of readiness that Moore called the preparatory set, quote-unquote. On one level, this state of dread or tension or anxiety was counterintuitive, for it was the lab laboratory subject, not the scientist, who in the most immediate sense imposed it. But that was also its strength. The preparatory set caused discomfort ranging from, from anxiety on up, and Moore described what Moore described as a, as a, quote, a mounting fear of inner tension, which subsets variously described as anticipation, dread, apprehension, ex expectancy, anxiety, etc. Unquote. That, discom that discomfort itself became a conduit for the subject to undergo change. Uh, Moore discarded the Pavlovian hypothesis that an excited brain state caused an animal or human to react to a threat of shock and suggested a much simpler explanation, more in line with what he called the general psychological principles that the spread of stimuli is, quote, is a function of the degree of readiness or preparedness of a given reaction system and 
by virtue of the development of an unusually high condition of radiance, stimuli, which could ordinarily be without visible effect, are now capable of eliciting, eliciting the response for which the pre-existing set was appropriate, unquote. That is, it was not simply the strength of a stimulus that determined the effect it would have, but the pre-existing conditions of the creature itself, its quote-unquote readiness. The greater the readiness, the more galvanizing the effect of a specific shock or goad, leading to an even higher state of readiness and a growing level of stress. Moore did not locate this phenomenon in any particular part of the brain, for like his mentor Hull, he saw it as a part of a, quote, a given system, unquote, a construct that was physical but not physiological. The subject of the experiment combined with the environmental stimuli to form one working system. And it goes on. And uh, let's go down to this part. I think that's it. Kind of lost my place here, but anyway. Um, Moore had great ambitions for his work. He felt that the state of unease he had observed in pigs, sheep, rats, apes, cats, and undergraduates, his preparatory set, could become the basis for a unified theory of learning, for it was in this state he believed that, quote-unquote, true learning took place most readily. Uh, true learning, according to the accepted views of the day, and to a large extent our own, depend on the need to achieve a satisfying state of affairs. A creature in a distinctly unsatisfying situation would be highly motivated to get out of it, would want to secure relief of whatever kind, and would seek, naturally enough, to alleviate the encroaching agonies of the preparatory set. In short, he would be ready to change himself. Hence, an atmosphere of tension and unease, or in its strong form of terror, was considered ideal for learning. Subjects would rather quickly acquire new habits through trial and error and other, quote-unquote, other goal-seeking behavior, unquote. It may seem odd that the most promising young scientists at, at this immensely funded institute were busy creating scenarios of, quote, ultimate demoralization, unquote, likening, the, likening them to what could be done in the classroom and on the therapist's couch. A stranger still, and stranger still, that Moore would later refer to these Yale years as halcyon days. But it is not really odd when one considers the importance of fear and compulsion. That is, highly motivated states rife with unpredictable fears and anxiety-producing signals in ordinary as well as out of the ordinary life. As we will see, such states are ideal for bringing about a greater uniformity of behavior in a given population. And again, that is out of the book World as Laboratory Experiments with Mices, Mazes, and Men by Rebecca Lamoth. 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 Uh, that is interesting enough. That's what your university scientists are busy doing, trying to figure out, yeah, how do we, you know, create create an environment, like what Moore is doing, or 
attempting to do or what he was working on or what that was his uh life's work was yeah we want to we want to create a good learning environment how do we do that we want people to be in a state of readiness to receive learning and instruction and uh so yeah we we want to induce through use of this what we call it, preparatory set we want to we want to like have this climate of anticipatory fear, like something is about to happen. I don't know, but it's like, I don't know. I just wish. And elsewhere in that book, I read read that chapter. I was kind of browsing this book. I just got it the other day. I was kind of looking at it and it was talking about how that uh, in the process of these experiments, when they're conducting these experiments where, you know, like somebody strapped to a table and they would, uh, you know, initiate these shocks in various voltages that they observe that, you know, you don't know okay, the way the conditions of the experiment were like, you don't know the shock is coming or even if it's coming. But, you know, it's like it would be like sort of at the they said at the discretion of the uh, administrator of the uh, experiment, you know, they would say, oh, well, you know, just shock them whenever, you know, it's kind of at random times, you know, they don't know when the shock's coming, but. So they were sort of always in a in always constant state of anticipation of the shock. You know, they said when it did happen, when they did finally shock the subject, that it would be like this um, this relief, like it's like oh wow yeah okay, so I got it happened and got it over with and and. Uh, I think that's all very interesting in light of, and they said this guy, he was, uh, did I read that part or did I skip over it, where he was the head of the American Psychological Association in the 1940s? Oh, he became president of the American Psychological Association during the 40s and 50s. Uh, but during the mid to late thirties, they were still working hard to, in relative obscurity. Okay. Right. But, you know, remember in the forties and fifties, they had, uh, what was going on then? Oh, it was going on. The, we had the cold war going on and, uh, and cover. They show that you can go watch that old propaganda duck and cover. All right, kids. You know, you see a got the mushroom cloud on the horizon. You want to duck and cover, like you know, you get so that you're told about this this bomb that you know renders everything just into tiny pieces. It just turns everything into rubble. Anything with it in in a in a certain radius of the thing at <laughs> ground zero, everything is vaporized. Um, which, interestingly enough, nobody observed that at uh, Hiroshima or Nagasaki. Either one, there was no bald spot, so to speak, where ground zero was. It was like, hey, just... And there's multiple... I'm going to go into that, hopefully, in the future. Uh, Go into all the different accounts of generals and different people that have made observations about ground zero, Hiroshima, Nagasaki, and coming back and just were like let down and disappointed. Like what? I mean, I thought this was like super bomb. I don't, I'm not seeing it. I don't know. 
yeah, it's destroyed stuff, but so does it's firebombing. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm just paraphrasing what they're saying, but you could just kind of feel that just disappointment, like, ah, uh, oh, this bomb. I don't know. It's just like didn't, you know, didn't you know, some general just, you know, didn't do enough damage to suit his taste. Obviously, like you, you, you could just, the, 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 uh, his account just reeks of, uh, disappointment. But, um, yeah, so there's all that. But anyway, yeah, nukes are fake, by the way. Um, but see, you, you, it's the preparatory set that they were undergoing. Like, oh, that's just the nuke any day now. Little Timmy, little, little, uh, little Carla, little Jenny, little, little Tommy. Like, uh, nukes coming any day. Any day, any day now. And they just hammered that. Uh, I know this one guy, I was doing the Bates method, which is curing your eyesight without glasses. And uh, anybody's familiar with that. I've talked about it before. You can go in the past calls, talk about it a lot. But uh, he, he, he tells his story. Because this stuff will make your eyes go cross. That's for bad eyesight. Just the stress you undergo at school. And he and he, he attributes that for growing up in that time and, you know, the duck and cover and all that. It made him a nervous wreck. So it made my eyes go cross. He had bad eyesight and he cured it through the base method. But anyway, um, yeah, the preparatory set. It's like, yeah, it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Just get ready to duck and cover now. And what's interesting is, like, you look at the school shooting crap or the, you know, the mass shooter. I, I shouldn't say school shooting because now it's like, oh, it can happen anywhere, right? It can happen at the mall. It can happen at your work. We've seen these. We've seen these mass shootings. And they're all fake, by the way. But, um, yeah, why why would they fake it? It's, it's just easier. It's like, uh, yeah, so you create the perception. And you're, like I said, in that, what I just got through, you're in Moore's, uh, you're in his, uh, you're in his world now, more or less, so to speak. And if you notice that, it's, 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 you know, we're past the Cold War thing, but see, we're bringing it back with the threat, with red Russia now, all of a sudden now a threat again, and they're hacking our elect. It's like, wow. I mean, I, I've, I, I mean, I think we've turned a corner of sorts. I think we're, we're at some kind of juncture where we've turned this corner. And now we got, we've always had, the rhetoric of the political rhetoric and stuff is just totally ape, you know, batshit crazy, obviously, you know, but it, now it's kind of a new level of just, uh, what's the word? It's not, what's the word for like, not, not no self-awareness. Like they're not self, like people could just blurt out shit and they have like no self-awareness to so, like, man, you just, you, you just said the most hypocritical, ri- ridiculously hypocritical thing of all time. And there's just, just totally oblivious to the fact that it's, it's like, wait, you just got to say this batshit crazy, crazy. So they're coming out now saying, oh, the the Putin, the Russians hacked our elections and took away our precious constitutional freedom to vote, and and they stole the elect for 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 Donald Trump, stole it away. From, it's like, I don't care about who won the election. I don't. It doesn't matter. Like I've said it before, and I'll say it again. It doesn't matter who's in there. But the idea that they they can come out now with uh which is amounts to like a is that not a paranoid conspiracy theory? Is is I ask you. The Russians got us 
our election, they hijacked our election process. And, and, and I, I was trying to figure out this last, last conversation I had with John, like, like, what are they talking about, John? I, I could, you know, uh, it's like, it's like, it's like, what do they, what do they mean? As far as I could tell, it's like when they put out the so-called WikiLeaks, they said, oh, that's Russian hackers. And then, then people read the WikiLeaks and then they didn't want to vote for Hillary. Uh, really? I, I, I but but no, then they say other stuff that's suggestive of the idea that they hacked, like they got into the voting machines and changed the results. But it it, it's, it doesn't like it's like the law; it doesn't make any coherent. There's no coherent logic to any of it. it it's like this is like I was talking about John. It's like how many people even know what WikiLeaks is or know anything about you know so. And then that, that's where all this fake news stuff has come. See that, that the fake news swayed the election. It was all this fake WikiLeaks stuff that came out. Right, what are they even talking about? I, I I don't even like specifically what are they talking about that they say swayed the election. I don't know. Whatever. But it, that's that. Whatever the case, that's crazy conspiracy talk. Is it not? Is it not? But uh. Yeah, I think we're at a new, whole new, different level with all this stuff. It, it's just so wild, like wildly nonsensical and hypocritical on many different levels. I don't know. It, you know, it's always been that way to some degree or another, but I think it, now it's being like amped up, ramped up, whatever you want to call it. And uh, And I think this is part of this. You know the thing where it's got to going through, like the prep, the preparatory set. Like we're, yeah, something's coming, something's around the corner, blah blah blah. And I get, I get, I haven't had this feeling in a long time, and like I get picked, I, I'm picking up on all this stuff, and it's like I get like, uh, like this sense of unease when I don't, when I know that all this, I'm being fed all this bull crap, and even I like get infected with, uh, affected by it now. It's like what is going on? Like what you know, and it's not that I'm. Like thinking, oh, something big is happening, or we're gonna go, or maybe like on a psychological level, maybe something. So for one thing, it's been too quiet, right? I mean, we've had a thing here and there. A guy got Russian ambassador got shot, suppose you know, which I think is. Uh, I didn't. I didn't have time. I didn't really gone back because it's just like, man, I don't. It's like what. I mean, look at the timing. I mean, it's like, well, the timing, isn't it just perfect that it, you know, and then it's just too much stuff right there on the surface that I can look at and say, that is most likely fake. I don't know. I just don't have it in me to, like, really look into that too much because it was like, man, that's, I mean, just the timing alone. I mean, come on. And then I I saw, I looked into it a little bit, and it's like, okay, they got the guy that was supposedly the gunman. He's laying around. It's like, I swear that, what are they trying to tell us with that picture? Did he just get out of, did he just get done with lunch at McDonald's and then he got, he got a little careless with the ketchup? Cause I swear it looks just like ketchup on the dude. And they're, and then they're saying that's, that's his, his gunshot wounds. I said, that looks all the, that looks all the world like ketchup. I, I, and, and it's distinctly different from blood. I've seen real blood. I've seen plenty of real blood. I've seen lots of real blood. I, you know, wounds on people, stuff like that. Wounds on myself. That's not blood. That's like, 
I was like, man, they just like put ketchup on the dude and like laid him down and like took it like they it literally looks like they took a ketchup package and opened it up and just like put it on his shirt. <laughs> it's like I was like, okay, I'm done. I was like, I, do I need to see any more? It's like I don't know. But um, oh yeah, it's just like. Okay, are we going to go to war with Russia? It's always, always. I guess the point I'm trying to make is always something right around the corner. It's always something brewing. It's like World War Three. It's like, and, and and this has been going on for so long. It's like just you know, it's like I was describing for these experiments. It's just let's go, let's get in World War Three and get it over with already. Shut up about it. Enough. Okay. Let's do it. Let's get World War Three. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. Uh, is that where they want to bring everybody to? It's like the tension, the release, the anxiety, the release, and and to the point where like, come on, let's just do World War Three. Let's do it. It's like, uh, yeah, you, you, you hear people, too, and, and this happens all the time. It's like they're calling for. You start to get this rhetoric ramped up, and it's like, well, let's let's just nuke the MFers, and it's like, well, that's going to be really hard since there aren't no nukes. But see, the the overall result is this uh, this more like what is the name? I should spell it out because uh, it's kind of hard to pronounce. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right, but uh, it's Hobart O. As in the letter O, Hobart, H O B A R T, Moorer, M O W R E R. That's his ex- experiments. It, the pigeon, spin the pigeon. I think that's where that term comes from. Spin the pigeon. That's from Moorer's work. But um, no, I'm just kidding. But anyway, uh, the pigeon guy, yeah. Um, the prep, preparatory set. I guess that's a good word to throw in the uh, glossary. But yeah, it is. Uh, well, just another descriptive tool to look at this stuff with. And uh, yeah, I appreciate uh, Re- Rebecca Lamol for putting it in that, in that book because I think it's a. Uh, good to look at what we're dealing with but uh yeah we are in the lab right now i mean we are we are having a game run on us like relentlessly and uh you know i do these do these calls i do these recordings like every Every Monday, I do it on a regular basis. You know, me and John do the afternoon commutes, and uh, I just think it's very, I think it's important to get a frame of reference on this stuff, to get some kind of grasp on it, to have some words, to some descriptors, some ways to take this stuff into your conscious mind and process it and to know what you're enduring to know what you're dealing with because at least for me it's a it's a big 
stress reliever. It's just it's just a stress reliever. I don't know. I don't have stress. I don't have anxiety. I don't have depression. I mean, I was diagnosed uh, bipolar years ago. I haven't had a manic episode in a long, long time, but uh, I I don't. I, I, it's just it doesn't. None of this stuff bothers me. Is what I'm trying to say. Um, what the bipolar crap is, or what they so called, or what it is, I. I don't know. I think I messed myself up when I was working night shift for so long because there's so much stuff I've read that ties the bipolar into circadian rhythms and you can really mess yourself up if you do. Because I worked nights and I went to school during the day. I was like sleeping four hours a day for like year, a couple of years and uh, not eating good on top of that drinking shit tons of coffee and i i think maybe that combined with everyday stress and living in a city and on and on and on and on uh yeah it's bad it's just bad this is an unnatural uh if you haven't noticed this is an unnatural environment that you're in um that we're all in. And, uh, you know, we got to work, we got to make money to survive, but we don't have to endure this psychological terror campaign, this preparatory set or whatever you want to call it. So we're anticipating the next thing. What is it going to be? It's like, I don't care. It's like, I don't, I really don't care. It's like, you know, whatever. Oh, they're going to assassinate Trump. Ah, fine. I'm going to, it's going to have the same psychological impact on me. If they do do it, I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen. I thought there was going to maybe pull that with Obama because I thought there was some predictive programming and films. They were suggesting that, but it doesn't matter because it, you know, the effect that that is going to have on me is going to be the same effect as if I was going to, watch a film depicting that thing because this is how this stuff works they use film and what if like my neighbor that lives eight blocks down the road from me gets shot and killed hypothetically speaking how much impact and effect will it have on me since I've never met this individual in my life and I wouldn't even be able to know, begin to know even who they were. And let's say I read in the paper somewhere tomorrow that they got some, somebody down the road got shot. Am I going to be in, I will have like a, a, yeah, I will sympathy. I will have sympathy for, you know, in sort of a detached way because I, it's just simply because not that I'm not a caring person. It's just simply because I don't know this individual and I don't have anything, uh, really to drive, you know, cause if you got upset about it, every time you heard about somebody die, you'd just be just constantly in a fugue state, just a detached, fugue, depressed state all the time. That's not, you know, it's not how humans are designed to operate. So if Trump, Trump got killed, I would have, it would have just as much, 
Because first of all, the immediate thing would come to mind is oh, this is a hoax stage event. But then again, too, like I've said with Kennedy, I say this time and time again, is like, what, for, for one thing, first of all, why should I care so much that Kennedy was killed? Why? Why? That's, I think that's a primary question that never gets asked. It's like the, the, the premise. Let's, let's examine the president, like the premise, like, oh, President Kennedy got shot. You don't think it was a lone gunman? It's like, okay, one thing, please tell me. Why should I care? Well, he was your president. It's like he wasn't my president. I wasn't even born then, so I couldn't possibly vote for him for one thing. Well, he was our president. He's like, I don't believe in the collective. I don't want, I certainly don't want to be judged in the afterlife by what America did. Please. I don't, so I want to, I want to distance myself on the record that, that as God is my witness, that I'm not an American. I don't, I don't, I don't own any of the atrocious shit that came out of this so-called country. For one thing, I don't, I want to, I want to disavow any relationship with the so-called United States, for, first of all. So, no, he wasn't my president, and I don't know who the dude was. I never met the dude in my life. So, again, why should I care? I think that's a question that needs to come up when we're talking about Kennedy or any of these other personas that are put in front of us for us to worship. It's like, I don't, I, I okay, I'm not, I'm not religious in that way, for one way. You know, maybe Sam Harris is. Maybe he. I'm, I'm. He certainly sounds like it. He's a status. You know, very fervently religious status. You know, he's he's very. Don't let him fool you. He's very very religious, from what I can tell. It, what I'm saying is he he's a he's a big time believer in the, his invisible daddy, the state. And he he, he never doubt. I don't doubt anything Daddy said. If he, Daddy said we went to the moon, we went to the moon for sure. His daddy said, that's my Sam Harris impression. But yeah, he's like a child. Like he, he doesn't doubt his daddy government, his invisible daddy. But he'll ridicule and make fun of people who believe in God. But he, 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 I, 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 we, we, if they say nuke bombs are real, they're real. They said they were real. And then, and then, and then they're on TV too. It's like, okay, Sam, we know they're on TV. But that doesn't mean they're real, uh, you know. I. Uh, but um. Anyway, anyway. Wow. Let's do this. I see Nino two one zero up off in the chat. Let's uh. Let me cool my jets and uh, play a bumper, take a drink of coffee, maybe fire up a cigarette, bring Nino on. Nino's going to drop some knowledge on y'all here directly as soon as I get my... Join the discussion by dialing 724-447-444. Call ID 90337. Yeah, yeah. All right. 
That is uh, not really. It's not really Alex Jones. I just want to make it clear. That's that's uh, that's John Adams is his rendition of Alex Jones. Uh, that is the call in number. If anybody wants to call in, call in. We got two caller enters hanging, waiting ever so patiently. Let me unmute Nino. I just said I was. I'll bring not so Freemason on here in a minute. Hola, amigos. Ah, you doing? Uh, uh, como, como esta? Bien, I think. Yeah, I go. I think that's my. I hit the wall right there on my Spanish. I got to brush up on Spanish. Like, uh, do you know? Do you know this? This. Uh, speak a uh, the uh, Espanol. Um, I know how to tell people to go wash their hands. Um, I can tell people where the trash can is. Um, I think I'm pretty fluent. That is, yeah. That's about all you need. That's about all the English you need, too. I mean, that's, I don't know, that pretty much sums it up. Lavate las manos. Right, right, right. I agree. Uh, Merry Christmas, Chris. Yeah, same to you, man. Like, uh, everybody. everybody. It is not Christmas, though, dude. It's the 26th. You missed it by a day. So I don't, I yeah. mean, maybe you're talking about next Christmas or I don't know. Well, I, don't know. I, I think, right. Don't Russians celebrate Christmas on January 7th? Is that a fact, or is that just some stupid thing I think I think? They celebrate on the 7th of December? 7th of I, January, I, I think. Yeah, so... I'm, I'm, Maybe they I'm are bad chill, people. I don't know. That's with Russian, so... <laughs> my, yeah, my I, I would not know. Up. I would not know. I don't know. Yeah, so uh, Coming up. Excuse me? Christmas is coming up for the shills from Russia. I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. I mean, I think you're, you got a little static on your line or something. I'm, you were breaking up. Yeah, Christmas is coming up for the shills from Russia. Christmas is coming up from the shows from Russia. Is the shills. The shilling, oh, the, the shillers. Yeah. Oh, right, right, yeah. Our, our Russian Jesuit shills. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they own America now because Trump is their guy, right? And uh, they they hijacked the elections and, and stole our gracious liberties and everything in our elections by way of subterfuge and hacking. And uh, they did it. They got us. They said they would. They got us without firing a shot. They got Trump in. How is Trump? I don't know, man. Is, is it uh Is he like? They're saying he's crypto Russian because <laughs> he's um, like a Scottish. I, I, heard, I was talking. I was talking with another listener online, and and uh, talk, we're talking about how he's Scottish. Like he's, I said, lots of. Comparing stories like Trump is German, 
he marries Jewishes, Jewish heiresses, Jewish models. Um, I don't know. Um, Could it be a distraction? And what I, really <laughs> went on is that the Scots just straight up took us over through Trump. And now they be. really are the ones in the seat, in the catbird seat. And now we're, we're the Scots got us by the balls now. Because he's Scottish, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's like you got to, this stuff, this geopolitics stuff gets a little bit squirrely when you got, when you start uh, trying to identify who's the shill and who's the, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm at a loss. It's getting so crazy now. It is getting crazy. I was reading in uh, the Drudge Report that the uh, liberals are out uh, doing the prepping now. They're 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 stocking up on weapons and uh, prepping supplies. And I found that pretty funny. I don't no. know if it's true, but yeah, <laughs> liberals are getting prep are turning into preppers. That is freaking awesome. I mean, I mean that's fantastic. No, I heard like we were talking about John is like they're they're going nationalist and now they're turning prepper. That is freaking fantastic. Like, um, oh, I was gonna say this too. I'm glad you brought that up because you know I was gonna next time I was talking to John I was gonna bring this up because I, I was gonna point out that like yeah they're like the new John Birchers. Like the the liberals now are the the new John Birchers, because that's what the John Birch Society's whole shtick was about how the commies were getting us and they're infiltrating and subverting our elections and everything. Like yeah. wow, that's like now they're now the left is has been flipped around to adopt like John Bircher talking points. It's like I mean that's what I'm talking about craziness, just absolute craziness. Yeah. It's it's pure madness with the liberal party, you know. We got the we got the racist dilemma, and uh, you know how how they've been racist since day one, and now they're you know the most anti-racist. Yeah, and wow. yeah, before, and and then they're anti-gun, and now they're preppers, and they seem to just be a, a really a versatile group of people. The 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 crowd think amongst them is uh, pretty powerful. I'll say. Man, that that is uh, something else. I, I I not that it's I don't know. It is kind of surprising. I was going to say I wasn't surprised. I'm, I'm I'm not surprised, but I am kind of surprised. It's like uh, yeah, I didn't see all this coming. I I, I don't know. It's very interesting. Well, what you know, if they were going to drive drive a psychological revolution, what would the liberals use to revolt? You know, are they going to just like throw McDonald's wrappers at the cars and, you know, slash tires? I mean, you know, spit on you. What are they going to do? So we got to arm them for the practice of revolution. Yeah, they got to get armed, right? If they're going to. There was like a, a clip that somebody was playing when the protesters were in the street protesting Trump being president and this one gal says uh, something to the effect that yeah people are going to 
people are going to get hurt. This is what this is a revolution. You got to have blood. This is, yeah, we're going to, you know, and I was thinking like, hey, wait a minute, you're the anti-gun people. Like, why are you talking like that? You know what I mean? Like, you're the side that's anti-gun. Like, you know, you're saying that, oh, you're going to, you're ready to step up and start bringing, like, I'm blood running the streets is what you're saying. You're, you're, you're at a profound disadvantage, aren't you? You're the anti-gun people. It's like, so now you're telling me they're they're buying up guns and stuff like that and prepping. Well, that was in yeah. that clip that I just posted about the uh, president's analyst, where he's, you know, it's 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 just different excerpts out of that film, and one of the ones is a bit of dialogue where he's going back and forth with the uh, with the uh, his. Was it his neighbor? I, I haven't watched that film in a while, but yeah, he, but the but the guy's telling him, yeah, we're you know because he's he 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 uh, identified himself as a liberal, and he says, yeah, we liberals aren't going to give up our guns till the right wing gives up theirs, or something to that effect. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that kind of makes sense, though, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like like I said, if they if we got to have our perpetual revolutions they got to give the the easiest minds to manipulate into revolution which unfortunately is all of them but i feel the liberal bubble is probably the easiest because they seem to be just kind of silly but um yeah you gotta the way them. it all works yeah they could totally make liberal a pro-gun identity but they want you know Karl marx was pro-gun which i brought that you know, up yeah, and um, you know, there's just all kinds of political, you know, moves for lack of a better term that I I think of when I when I put myself in the evil Machiavellian mindset and pretend I'm ruler of the evil planet Earth just to try and understand and do some uh, psychological profiling of our people. I see a lot of moves, you know, like the liberals should embrace guns and the conservatives should embrace abortion, and that. You know, uh, just personally speaking, I am not for abortion on any level. Um, that said, if conservatives embraced abortion and helped with the uh, propaganda for abortion, they would help the liberals annihilate themselves. You know, yeah. so because <laughs> if you know, that's that's a self self uh, uh, self defeating idea. If if only one side of the party wants to kill themselves off, you know, they should be rooting for it. So if I'm, you know, if I'm, the, you know, Pence, the vice president, my first priority is to make sure Internet poker is illegal. And my second priority is to make sure abortions are running amok. Yeah, so that would be an advantage on a political uh you know, playing board to have your opponent like abort themselves. That's like kind of a <laughs> good strategy. Like, yeah, yeah and again, I'm not for it. So I'm just, I'm just playing this. You know, again, I like to plug in and be Doctor Evil every now and then. I'm like, what would be my best plan here? Okay, let's get them to self-immolate. And you know, just yeah, they want to abort. Help them. You know. More and more, more complications come from the abortion. Therefore, the mother may also die. You know, I mean, there's so many pros if you take that route in a political 
uh, a stratagem. You know, not that I'm for it. Yeah, it's like between that, that and like the gay agenda, the 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 rat the left will be rapidly consumed in no time. You know, there'd be I like think, none of them left in a couple of generations. I think I'm getting paged from the Frankfurt School right now on the other line. They're like, I like that idea. Nino, do you need a job? Yeah, yeah. There you go. It's like, uh, no, it makes, uh, it, it's really, now I don't consider myself right wing, but it's like, hey, you look at the le- the left positions and it's like, Wow, that's it's some of the craziest shit that can you can come up with just about as far as a position. Like yeah. it's not none of it's none of their shit is thought through at all. Like it's yeah, if you, you really believe in those policies, you'll be extinct in a few generations. So you know, it's like what you you're pushing for self emulation, like immolation or whatever. But like yeah, just you know, be be well. I guess that's part of it too like you know pro like they had the buddhist monks set themselves on fire in protest like yeah you you won't be protesting much in the future if that's part of your (laughs) your process they can't hear uh, you when your throat's on fire right yeah it's like uh yeah it's uh but people glom onto it too like uh this whole uh like like the cage and the thing i I got in a brief discuss, back and forth discussion on on uh, YouTube comments about that, and uh, I was just pointing out it's like okay, you know, first of all, this is like um, because it was a commercial with a with a gay couple, like two two males that a uh, like you know that was depicting like oh here's this happy gay here's this happy you know queer family with two 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 dads instead of a mom. And I said well. You know, and then you know, so the majority of commenters are like, "Oh yeah, they're they're pro." Like, and then how dare you say anything about about it? Because you know, that's you know, you're 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 a bigot and a racist. All the standard stuff. And I was like, "Yeah, wait, aren't you guys advocating child abuse?" And you know, because you, what you're saying is like, "Oh, there's there's children that that can and should be born with like no mother." It's like, isn't a mother like, oh, so you're saying this this boy just should like have no mom, right? Because that's what you have to you have to conclude if you're if you're saying two dads are just as good. Then they say, oh, so this this child gets no mother. Is what you're saying? It's like what it, that's the moral equivalent of like chopping off one of their legs at birth and say, well, yeah, you know, you, you know, you, technically you can get by with one leg. So what's well, you know, no harm, no foul, right? Just could chop off a leg. I mean, the people would be like aghast at that, and like, no, 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 you can't, can't do that. That's immoral. That's wrong. It's like, well, isn't there like a? There is definitely a biological imperative to have a mother and a father. Certainly, you can't deny that. There's no. It's like trying to argue for that. It's like trying to far, trying to argue that you should have two legs. Like I don't have to argue that. I don't have to make a case for that. It's obvious. That's that's something that's self-evident. It's like it's embedded into biology itself. Can't deny it. Like the the, the and uh, but no, they just want to negate that. Like that's not no, it's not important. Well, what about the child? So you're advocating child abuse is what you're doing, and institutionalizing it and, and, and systematizing it. 
and that, and that's cool. It's like, but see, nobody can come up. They didn't want to argue with me on that. It's like, oh, so you, oh, you just got a name call now. Well, obviously that's what they do. It's, but there's no coherent logic to be had. I mean, you can't argue for it. You can't break it down in a coherent argument and make your case or anything if you're taking that position. You you must resort to emotional emotionalism and sloganeering and these uh, uh, ad hominem attacks and stuff like that. That's that's the only way that it can sustain itself. And then you know it, 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 this is all coming at you through the media and through the one way medium of you know the uh, television and 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 movies and all that. You can't engage in a dialogue. It's a one way medium. And that's the only way it can sustain itself. He's like, you can't. And then they want to like pretend like there's this national conversation about whatever it happens to be, gay marriage or whatever. It's like, uh, no, I don't remember ever being involved in such a thing. There never was such a thing. There was never was a quote unquote conversation about anything, any of these issues. There's never. Where is this conversation? Is it a town hall thing or where is it? Where Where do people go to discuss this stuff? No, you get you get indoctrinated into the idea. Uh, I, was re- I was watching this John LeBon video where he's going into how you know they're pushing this in Australia now, and it's like he he broke it down really well and succinctly. And uh, I think you know they're sy- systematically taking everybody through the process to accept the whole gay marriage thing in Australia, and uh, that and it's like yeah, it's just all about you know generating the perception like we talked about this before how polls like their primary purpose is is for and like the media does this on a regular basis is like they they feel it's their job to communicate to you what everybody thinks it's like why do they do that like why is that so important why do you see these polls and they're always putting these polls out like what do the majority of americans think about this well let's take a poll and see and it's like i i don't why do I? I don't know. I have my own ideas and, about things, and like I don't really care what everybody else thinks for, for one thing. But why is that so important? Well, that's because you know people do people do care about what other people think, and they and it and it, and it influences their their opinions on things. So if they think the majority believes something is is right, then they feel they don't want to be out of you know out of out of sync with uh, the, you know the. Average person because they don't want to be a, a weirdo, an outcast, a dummy, and a, 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 a bigot or whatever. So yeah, they jump on board with it. And it's like you know, it, it's obvious. This is obvious. That's what they do. But like, where do they get these polls at? And they're like, okay, what are you talking about when you're talking about a poll? So they take a survey of people. It's like, okay, how many people did you talk to? Like, okay, how much? What's your budget for this poll anyway? Do you got you got a budget to get it really to sit there and have people on the phone sit there all day long enough people to get enough uh, enough people on the line to get their opinion and will be willing to do that in order for you to get anything approaching an accurate number of uh, of a sense of what an entire population of 300 million people actually believe? It's like that doesn't even seem realistic practically for one thing <laughs> to me. But then, like people put so much weight on these polls, and it's like, it's like, man, it's like, okay, you're going to accept this poll, but on the other hand, it's like, how did they? Where did they get these numbers? Do you ever? Do people even ask that? It's, oh, that's a reputable, 
reputable polar. It's like, I, oh, really? So just they're reputable because they say, or what? Why are they reputable? It's like, but then, like, then on the other hand, why should I care what everybody thinks? I I don't care what everybody thinks. Obviously, most people are nuts. So why 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 would I want to be nutty like them? No, no, no offense to anybody out there listening, but yeah, you're nuts. Thanks a lot, Chris. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. No, no. Yeah, no. When, when you're talking uh, yeah. about Nothing the group think, I, I just want to interject here. When you're talking about the group think, this week I, I re, <clears throat> redirected my uh, course of study. In addition to punk rock, I, I'm just looking at revolution in general. And I came across a couple books I've not read that I own, and I'm going to read them, and I started reading them this week, but they're by a polemist from France named Gustave Le Bon. So there's two Le Bons we've mentioned today. That's pretty funny. But I have a book called uh, The Psychology of Revolution by Gustave Le Bon and The Crowd, A Study of the Field of the Popular Mind. And he's considered the, the father of like um, group psychology, so uh, crowd psychology and whatnot. And this guy was in the late 1800s, and everybody picked him up, Hitler and Marx, and everybody picked up his ideas and kind of ran with him. But um, I'm finding a lot of the uh, stuff you're, you're, you know, the, the, the questions you're asking, I'm asking uh, as well. But it seems that there's an answer, and this guy, Gustav Le Bon, did some uh, did some excellent research back in the day and uh, put some books out and we're basically it, it appears like it's another uh, you know it's it's just it's it's the it's an easier form of mind control when you have the peer pressure um, and 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 uh, uh, external ideas and external brains guiding your ideas uh, in the form of peers not necessarily just the leader and the propaganda machine and all the propaganda in itself. It's the, uh, the crowd driving the idea into success. So I'm, uh, I'm really excited. I, uh, I've been really wondering a lot about the revolution thing. Cause I have like my own little guesses that I've shared with people about, it feels like we're in this perpetual drive towards revolution that we're never going to have. And it just keeps us on edge, which goes to what you were talking about earlier on, you know, uh, with when you're remarking on the uh, the anxiety of the duck and cover scheme, um, yeah. So I'm gonna have some good stuff to report once I digest these books and get them under my belt. Yeah, if uh, the Russians don't get us first, do a nuclear first strike, <laughs> kill us all. Get your research done. Like that's. Uh, are they suggesting that too? Like uh, now that they got their man in, they're going to do the nuclear first strike, right? That'd be the natural thing for the Ruskies to do. And since Trump is in charge of the so-called nuclear football, he'll just like uh, he's working for the Russians. So he'll just do an intercept of the uh, a pass interception on the nuclear football. To use a football analogy, and uh, run it into the uh, sideline, and then, in other words, he won't he won't retaliate he won't retaliate, and then we'll get nuclear first strike of Russia, and they get us. 
That's what's going to happen. Russia has some heavy hitter nuclear science um, scientists on their side. And uh, I came across one recently studying punk rock. Uh, we got a lady named Yekaterina Samutsevich. And Miss Yekaterina is in a band called Pussy Riot. Um, oh, I don't know if we see the Pussy lead Riot. singer. <laughs> she's something. I don't know what, one. what she's, she's one of them. But Miss Samutsevich. For two years, she worked as a defense contractor on a secret project to develop software for the nuclear attack submarine K-152 NERPA. And, uh, yeah, so hey. so one of the Pussy Riot chicks is a nuclear sub-secret scientist who, who by day makes nukes for subs and by night protests on uh, Russian churches in a band called Pussy Riot. So we need to really, really, really tiptoe carefully with this uh with this upcoming eight years they got some heavy hitters like i said if you got somebody in pussy riot driving the nuclear subs you better be careful right right send a chill up my spine right there but uh yeah I, <laughs> it's all true it's all true i'm not even lying <laughs> no i'm not no, i don't doubt it it's like uh, uh i didn't know that either man that's incredible <laughs> this world's upside down. Yeah, they got the same thing. Seems like theirs is just now kicking off. So they got their little punk rock scene lifting off, you know, with Zizik. They got Zizik and, uh, you know, Pussy Riot. The problem I things. have with uh, Pussy Riot is that uh, they'll do a rock video, right? They're, you know, because you, if you're in a punk band, you got to, you know, obviously you got to do a video. And uh, the, 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 the guitarist chick, doesn't even know how to fake playing a guitar. It's like, at least learn how to fake play a guitar. It's like, that was like, driving me nuts last time I saw it. What the fuck is she even doing? Like, it's like the first, it's, apparently it was like the, like maybe the first time she's ever even held a guitar. Like she Sometimes like had no even... idea what what was going on with the guitar, you know? Like, like, like if you look at the protest outside of the Olympics, uh, I think it was Sochi. Uh, they don't even have instruments. Like they're just jumping up and down, headbanging, and then getting the getting whipped by cops on yeah. video. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I saw they, that. They, but there was another good, one, right? and I think somebody mm-hmm. accidentally handed her a guitar. Like I don't think they were supposed to do that. Because honestly, <laughs> like I think she had it held upside down. Like like she didn't know like what what the. I don't even think she even knew what it was. What the hell is this? Like, somebody handed it to her. It's like, a gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just silly, man. Like, okay, if they're a band, you're going to at least know how to, like, hold a guitar, at least. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not saying that everybody in a band that portends to play a guitar actually knows how to play. That, that That's atypical, but, I mean, this... This she was a total fish out of water on that. I was like, it's just obviously a, just a ridiculous front, and uh, I don't know. It's just silly. Uh, this, the, yeah, the prop, the agit prop nonsense that you get exposed to is just just so ridiculous. I, I don't know, but it, you know, see, it's you got to remember too. It's it's directed at the millennial. No, I mean, no offense if you're a millennial. Anybody's a millennial listening, but. Yeah, they're not 
they're they're pretty slow on the uptake, man. A lot of, I mean, kind of typically. I, I mean, you know, of course, there's exceptions, but it, it's like uh, you got to keep that in mind too when you're looking at it. It's like you know, it, you, you can see something that's just so blatantly, obviously, just transparently, ridiculously, you know, propagandistic. But it's like, okay, yeah, you got to remember the target audience you're dealing with. It's like ah. Uh, state of affairs. Yeah, it is. It's like some of this stuff I look at, and it's like, wow, this can actually fly. I mean, this actually goes over on people. It's like, it's just, wow. It's like, it, and I don't know. It's like their job is so easy. Like, it's like, wow, that's a really, really easy job. That If that passes, like what they're, what they're throwing over is a, man, I don't know. It's just, yeah, I put, I put that. Did you did y'all see that uh, YouTube video I made with all the uh, fake news? Yeah, that, it was uh, a video. Excellent. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I thought yeah. it came out good. It was it was just one of those things where I had like stuff already in a folder. Like I had the dance and chicken in my folder for a long time, and it's like. Oh, it's time to bring break her out, put her in the deal because it's got music on it. And then I had the then I had the rap song thing that was on Jimmy Kimmel or something. I don't know. So I borrowed that, and I said, and it just kind of is just one of those things that kind of fell together, you know. And uh, yeah, I think it came out pretty good. Um, yeah, that's the thing about doing projects and stuff. It's like sometimes, like you could start on something. I've got like several projects I haven't finished because you'll just like hit a you'll hit a wall and it's kind of like these pieces don't fit or eh, sit on the back burner and I'll find the piece the missing piece and then sometimes I never find it and it doesn't ever turn into anything and then other times you you start working on something and it's like man just everything kind of falls into place you know what I mean you know what I'm talking about right or just on uh so I'm bringing this up because I've, I've been I've been working on this other. I, I want to do kind of like a full length documentary on uh, on fakery and all that, but it's it's just it, it it's kind of a pretty big undertaking. But uh, I really want to I really want to get that finished, and uh, I, I keep bringing it up. And I've been doing this for years; it's ridiculous. But uh, yeah. It, it, I, I need to start working on it again. So I guess the reason why I'm bringing it up is that like, if anybody has anything that they want to send to me at Chris at hoaxbusters, Chris at hoaxbusters com, I appreciate it. Like, uh, especially like if you see anything from nine 11 footage that could potentially be some kind of a CGI glitch or something like that. I know there's a lot of stuff out there, but I, I I'm looking for stuff like, some particularly really good examples like uh and i i know there's a couple that i ran across that i've lost track of and uh that that that's appreciated guys because uh it's kind of a missing piece of the puzzle on some of this i got some good examples but i want to put some more in there uh different stuff like that but um yeah anyway yeah well let me uh interrupt here a, a moment and say hi matt sims hi chris Nino two ten, not so Freemason and uh I believe Lynn is gonna be on the call soon. Uh 
I just wanted to say hi, and uh, I hope you guys all had a Merry Christmas. You too. Thank um, you, man. Hey, thanks. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, going on with what you were talking about, uh, how long have you been working on this project, man? Oh, just too long. Like, like I, I started putting this stuff together, like, maybe a couple of years ago. I don't even know. This is like, now it's kind of, it's, it's, it, it it's just kind of, you know, like I'll do, like I did this recent video. It's like a three minute video and it's like, I, I spend the better part of a day on it, but then, you know, I could kind of, I could put, I could put one of these out and then, but I had, you know, I had this other, you know, project and I got like, uh, the, I got it started, but I just kind of like, uh, get, get distracted and get diverted off into other stuff. It's just one of those things. But, um, yeah, I need to yeah. eventually yeah, that's finish one of the problems it. I have. No, sorry, I think, keep going. Yeah. yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think like m- most people have that same kind of issue where, um, it, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just one of those things. It's just like one of those things where I kind of get, I, I've hit an impasse where it's like, I, I need some other elements to it. I'm not, I'm not, it, it's not coming together. It's not really congealing. It's not really. Uh, well, you're probably you're you're probably like uh, uh, a lot of people out there, you know, me including that, you know, we're interested in a lot of stuff, and you're focused on something in the moment, but then you're like, uh, you, your your mind starts uh, wandering. So like, okay, I gotta go this, I gotta read that now, I gotta do this now, I gotta watch that now, and then you, you know, you you start uh, trying to get so much data that you can't, you know, uh, process it well. And, and you know, complete something in time. You know that that happens to me sometimes. Yeah, that's another thing too. If you're working on a big project like that, because I've never done it before, it'd probably be kind of similar to like maybe writing a book or something like similar to it. Maybe not mm-hmm. not the same thing because there's probably a lot of other stuff involved. But it's like, yeah, you can accumulate so much stuff that you want to include. And then you have to begin the process of like paring it down. And then it's like, what do I take away? Because that's like like a big part of the process is like, man, you got so much stuff, but you need to make it coherent. You got to have it flow. And then every piece has got to fit and kind of like do a continuous stream that's, you know, communicating. You've got to communicate well. It's got to be, you know, it's got to be consistent. And it's like hard. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult to do if you're not, uh, if, if it's not something you do regularly, which, um, yeah, I've never done a, a a big project like that, so it's kind of like a. And I'm not going to talk it into existence. I know that, so it's like, but I think <laughs> bringing, bringing it up again is maybe get me motivated again on it. I wasn't really motivated for a while, then it was like something came up, you know, and then it's like ah, it's just. I could- you know. I feel like I went through a, a hoax recently, uh, and uh, I don't know. I kind of wanted Eli's opinion. I know he's you, you're in Puerto Rico, right, Eli? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm in I'm in Florida, and uh, did, did you guys get hit with this hurricane a couple months ago? This no, 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 hurricane spice. No, no, no hurricane spice over here. Okay, yeah, the I think it was Hurricane Alex or something last month, yeah. the month before. And they, you know, I'd see it on the news, and it's it's passing right over central Florida. 
they're telling us 80, 90 mile per hour winds. I go outside and I mean, it's dry as can be just like a mist. And (laughs) at the peak, peak wind, I mean, gusts at 30 miles per hour. Like it, it was, it wasn't anything more than a thunderstorm that they had like built up so much tension around for, for like an entire week The you know, everyone's buzzing around more and more as it, as it gets closer, you know, trying to get prepared and it was nothing. And even as it's on us, they're telling us it, it, it was something, you know, that it wasn't. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, that happened here too. Uh, they were they were drumming it up, and uh, was just a little thunderstorm, some rain, some rains, you know. And then after that, it just went after a few days, nothing, uh, you know, dangerous or anything like that. You know, here there's been hoaxes with natural events here too. I think there was a report that was in South America covering uh, like a, a a little earthquake we had here or something like that and they they showed like footage of us in the disaster you know like a puerto rico's destroyer or something like that that never happened so you got fakery down down uh south america too uh uh doing those fake news stories too oh yeah we got the opposite but, in but new york anybody, does anybody out there like talk about it or does anybody else question like you know what why are they telling us this and because I, I bring it up, I'm like they're, they're lying to us, and people think I'm crazy. And it's like you, you went through it too. How do you not? How do you not see it? You know, you know that's quite interesting. You know, because uh, you know, in, in regards to news, now you start to think, hey, you know, because those uh, blocks you see on the weather, uh, the meteorologist uh, screens, you know, the weatherman screens. Maybe they're they're part of a uh, of a new way of uh, inciting a fear or uh, you know it's another aspect of fake news you know because it's a digital yeah. rendition obviously you can just drop a blot on a screen and make it move and say hey you got a five uh, uh you know type five hurricane over here and it's not really there you know yeah check this out it, it just occurred to me I don't know for whatever reason a couple of days ago I'm thinking you know I see chemtrails they do it hard here every day basically yeah, all too. day it, it's all lines and that's not represented on the doppler radar screen when i'm watching the news you know it's mm-hmm. you'll see little puffs of clouds but you don't see lines going all the way east to west and then north and south like like what i'm experiencing so i i feel like they they must be projecting fake imagery, uh, especially when it comes to, yeah, the, the hurricanes, either that was, you know, the, yeah, the image had to be fake uh, is, is what I'm, I guess I'm coming to. Yeah. The, oh, yeah, the uh, opposite I, I to be said. That, but... Okay. Sorry for interrupting. Uh, keep talking, please. Sorry. Okay. Um, just, just kind of an opposite tale is to our Florida friend down there. On uh, September 11th, 2001, Hurricane Aaron brushed up off the coast of New York about 500 miles, and we never heard shit about that. 
<laughs> yeah. Same day as Hurricane Aaron, and nobody's heard of Hurricane Aaron outside of the conspiracy realm for sure. And a lot of people <clears> in the conspiracy realm haven't even heard about Hurricane Aaron, but it's a it's an actual hurricane that happened on nine eleven two thousand one that brushed up against New York about five hundred miles allegedly, and then it veered off. Judy you sure Wood. don't see that on the footage, Judy Wood. <laughs> You got to give credit to Judy Wood for that. No one wants to use her name. <laughs> I'm not afraid to use her name. Okay. Judy, Let's give credit where credit is due. I don't want to. I certainly don't want to. I got to know her pretty well, and I'm very embarrassed by her. So, what do you want me to say? I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have given her credit for it, but she is the one who came up with it. So, I don't. I can't recall anyone else who was talking about that hurricane in conjunction with 9/11. So. Well, this is you don't even need to conjunct it with nine eleven. It's actually like on weather dot com they just talk about the hurricane. Like it's not even in the conspiracy realm. You can look at other random weather well, what is sites the, and get well you're see well let me uh add something to that real quick is that um you know, you had the hurricane off the coast of New York on nine eleven and uh Judy Wood says that it was um because factory. Yeah, well, that's that conjecture. That's pure the, uh, conjecture. Energy weapon. Yeah, that's pure and that's, conjecture. Uh, yeah, yeah. It brings in a lot of stuff. Or, or you know, so well, while you're in the business of speculating, which um, I, you know, I do from time to time. I think everybody does from time to time. Is that it, I, I think what more likely is that um, yeah, they have web weather manipulation. They've had it for a long time, or weather control, or whatever you want to call it. And they put the hurricane out there to ensure that the surrounding area would be, you know, crystal clear. Because the way I understand it, that's what hurricanes do. I mean, if the the, the surrounding area will be, it'll 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 condense all the clouds in one one spot, so you won't have any clouds in the uh, on the periphery and beyond, you know. So that uh, they had a perfectly clear day to do the fakery. Because they needed, they didn't want it. You know, it's better not to have clouds in the sky and have them not match the pre-prepared fake footage. So yeah, when Hollywood really cared Whoa. before before the complete cheap digitalization of everything, they actually used to seed to produce rain for for a Hollywood epic, right? If they needed, yeah, it's the same same principle as that. You know, except for it's the opposite. You know, they wanted they needed a clear day so they can have like uh, they didn't have to contend with uh, incongruent clouds. You know, like uh, actually, oh, there was. Partial cloud cover on New York, but it doesn't. You don't see that in any of the footage. That would be kind of hard to explain away. But if you have a yeah. cloudless day, you don't have to even be concerned with any of that. And you can't you can't control the clouds on the fly. You know, it's not. I don't think that's. I don't think wet weather control extends to doing all that. But that you know, they could park a hurricane off the coast and uh, have have all that taken care of. I think that makes the most sense. I mean, I, I mean, but then see, I'm invoking a, a technology too, just like Judy Wood is. You know, she said yeah. that that that's not common yeah. knowledge, and so I'm kind of, you know, I, I'm I'm aware <laughs> that you know that's that's. But see, you know, you got if you're looking, but see, doing conspiracy theory as it's called is like it's like what what explanation fits all the supplied information that you're getting from. You know, the official sources, which is, you know, the lack of office material and the debris and the and the lack of records and the death index of people actually haven't died. Some are there, but like the majority are not and all this other stuff. It's like, well, I think the fakery explanation is the best suited to 
incorporate all those different little uh, anomalies that are all throughout the whole official narrative. It's it's the one it's the one explanation that kind of can accommodate all of those things and do it coherently and in a way that makes sense. So that's that's why I go with the bakery on nine eleven, and it just makes to me it just makes the most sense. I mean, do I have it, do I have absolute proof? It's like that it didn't happen. It's like no, because you can't prove a negative. Like you got to keep saying that too. Like a lot of people don't get that, you know. It's like, well, I, I need you to prove it to me that nobody died on 9-11. It's like, I, see, I don't know that nobody died for one thing. I'm not even saying that. But it's like, where where is the evidence? Because if you want to say that it's like, well, you have records, well, records can be faked. But the absence yeah. of records, it says something different. It says, you know, that, you know, that, that there, there's definitely an, an anomaly there that has to be dealt with. So I, I think the the best way to explain the absence of records is you have absence of victims explains is Occam's razor explanation for the absence of records. And, you know, you don't have the victims. You don't need the records. You just need the perception that the victims are there and then the, the job is done. And they did that very shoddily and cheaply, as far as I'm concerned, with the uh, memorials on 9-11 and all that stuff where they have like a big, big percentage of them have like placeholder images instead of actual people. I mean, come on. Like oh they the you go to you go to a memorial page on so and so and it's like oh they had a smile that can light up any room and it's like a a placeholder image of a candle and it's like that's been, <laughs> that's been up there for like years I mean come on and nobody cares and it's like well they didn't know anybody or it's like but see there's multiple multiple examples of that so it's like uh yeah then again what's the what's the explanation that's that suited that gives the ex, best explanation. Well, they didn't exist. They they were made up, and uh, they 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 create the perception that 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 many people died. But then on the other hand, you know you do have records, and you do can find in the death index that did certain people. You know you have their names, and you have uh, and then actual people that say they knew them and all that. And I think that uh, could be explained as people that were. Uh, w- the same process happens like in a witness protection program or like, you know, the agents or something like that that will have a job and have a role and it's, you know, something that we've established that is is a, is something that definitely exists and it has existed throughout the Cold War and everything else. So you have these, you know, people that will fulfill those roles and then they fulfill those roles, they move into another area or whatever, they take on another identity and then their job is done. And uh, yeah. so that that would create the, and I think it's important too with these psychological operations is like it, it has to be fleshed out to the extent that it's making a a real impact on the you know community that's directly involved, which had been Manhattan, and then but for the greater psychological operation where it's like everybody believes that three thousand died and all that, it's like not all you don't have to go to the extent of having fake. I, legends and identities for all 3,000, you just have a percentage. You just do percentages, you know? Like, yeah. you didn't have to have every yeah. floor in the buildings manned and occupied. You just only had, a, like, a percentage, you know? I don't know what that percentage is. I don't claim to know, but that explanation best suits the fact that uh, they don't have any evidence showing that there was uh, two, uh, basically, which would represent a city, 
you know, 50,000 some odd people with offices and furniture and stuff in there. Where did all that shit go? It's like, well, probably the best explanation is it, they lied about it being there in the first place. You know, they're in the business of lying. Why not lie about that? Why is that so hard to believe? But it's like, um, then that, that, that has a very coherent explanation for why there isn't no, or very, very scant office materials. Like, where is all the shit? Where, where is it? Where did it all go? It's like, it's like, you know, Judy Woods wants to tell you it, it, it demolecularized. It's like, well, that's a really fanciful, elaborate explanation when there's none necessary, really. Mm-hmm. I I can say uh, in in my time of questioning nine eleven, I've taken a bunch of unique routes to do so. I feel, and uh, part of it was with my peer group on a nationwide level, and I was a I was a bicycle messenger for more than a decade, and. The cow town Denver, but we kind of network through all cities, and we go back and forth. And I knew New York messengers. In fact, I lived with a couple of bike messengers, and um, uh, both of them at the time were from New York. Um, and the question I asked Talos and Mike D, if they ever listen to this, was, uh, "Did you guys see 9/11?" And they're like, "Nah, man, nah, nah." And I go, "All right, so did." What messenger did any messengers you know see it? And they pause and stop, and they came to like this realization that they don't know any messenger in their small peer group that saw it go down as a bicycle messenger in New York City. So I'm not saying all bike. No, not, there's not a bicycle messenger that saw 9/11. But when I when the question popped into my brain and I planted the seed with a couple New Yorkers who I lived with, and it went back to New York. It came back negative. <laughs> so we're like uh, viruses and bacteria and cancer. We're in we're in the stairwells, we're in the elevators, we're in the alleys smoking blunts. They're everywhere all the time. And in New York, there's like three thousand of them. And uh, my little my little question, you know, came back empty. And so far, my friends, I haven't talked to them for a few years because I retired in 2010. Um, I was actually laid off due to technological advances, fax and email, yada, yada, yada. But, yeah, that question puzzled them, and it still uh, puzzles me that uh, when reached out, there's not a single bike messenger that we found in our teeny little spider web reaching out that saw 9-11 happen. Mm. Like, uh, how did they not see anything or they're glued to the tube or what was their no like uh it was pretty early but they're still on the streets and um yeah i don't know i can't explain it they're just like you don't they didn't know it was coming so they weren't watching for it but you know well actually there is you you you, I, i can say this i can say if what happened on a television set happened in denver you know and and our city was magnified by like 20 times I realize how vast New York is, but I do realize that that's in the grid, you know, like the trade centers in the grid that somebody heard or saw something in in that little parasite world of bicycle messengers, you know, like you'd have heard something fall or some crash, somebody scream, somebody get on the, you know, it, it just, it was like word of mouth was the, was the, um, was the method kind of, you know, War of the Worlds, you know, like, and did you hear an alien landed and we shot it? I, I've, I've seen so much 
uh, research that's been done on just this subject. And so I'm a little disappointed <laughs> that people aren't familiar with it. Because, Chris, I know you know Brian Stavely. He went down into Manhattan. He interviewed people. He, he's written up all kinds of analysis on his site. They used smoke machines and everything else. It was a Hollywood set. So yeah, not, I, you know, I had that uh, interview he had with that guy posted. I thought yeah. it was really intriguing. It was like the guy himself was talking all this stuff that's like totally out of line with what we're would be expected to believe, and if that was a real situation. But at the same time, the guy himself was like he didn't see the the incongruity. He didn't see the disconnect. He didn't he, like himself. He was like not he was not dealing with the implications of what he witnessed and what he saw. It was very interesting. Was, you know, uh, it, it, but he sounded like you know, No, no, there's more going on here. There's a moral obtuseness going on here. One of the witnesses that Brian interviewed, and these are ex- this is excellent work he did. As far as I'm concerned, this is le- this is legitimate testimony that can be introduced as evidence. This is, I would, and we get the, as long as we can get the people who were interviewed to attest to, to the content of what's in these interviews... This constitutes eyewitness testimony. People went, at least one of the eyewitnesses who he interviewed, went down, rushed down there. I think the guy might have been a part-time emergency worker, whatever, or or a a volunteer firm and something like that. But the guy raced down there, and they said, oh, oh, no, we don't need anybody. You can go home. I mean, it it, it was ridiculous. It's like, I got nothing to see here. Go on home. And... Uh, all of all the, when you put that together with the images of what were broadcast over the networks, and you realize that all that most of that was prepared in advance. I, I have to say, I do agree with uh, the crowd over there at Clues Forum and Simon Schacht, and Most of this that stuff was, had to have been prepared in advance, so you can see evidence of that as you go through it and start looking at it. You know, Chris, you were talking about the best. You're looking for the best. Back in 2005, 2006, I set up a a website, a blog called Los Alamos 9-11 Truth. It was a joke to me because all of a sudden I saw this 911truth.org group spring up and half of its members were Los Alamos weapons developers or researchers like Stephen Jones and David Kubiak or NSA people like Jim Hoffman. And I thought, oh my God, they're actually sending government uh, people with high security class of clearances, classifications that I couldn't get, subversive like me couldn't get in a million years, they're actually sending them into this truth movement. So we ought to have a chapter, you know, there's a New York 9-11 truth and a D.C. 9-11 truth and a Baltimore. We ought to have a, a Los Alamos 9-11 truth because that's a secret city in the desert that nobody was supposed to know about anyway. So I put up a blog spot called Los Alamos 9-11 truth. And I featured some of Judy Wood's uh, pictures up there and her her claims. But I have a section of it devoted in, entirely to everything that I had seen about the media fakery at the time in 2005-2006. And the two best examples, if you want to – as far as I'm concerned, anyone who doesn't include these uh, is, 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 is missing – two of the best pieces of evidence of criminal conspiracy and attempt to traumatize and brainwash the American public by broadcasting freaking cartoons. Cartoons. 
digitally fabricated cartoons of what is alleged to have been Flight 175 smoothly disappearing into the steel-reinforced rebar concrete facade of the South Tower like Casper the Friendly Ghost. With like, hey, Ma, look, Ma, no impact, nothing. And those would be the first, the worst, the absolute worst, the one that young people will look at and laugh at if they know anything at all about what a, what a Boeing jet would look like, you know, hitting concrete, is uh, the Fairbanks, the Evan Fairbanks uh, one, which admittedly was broadcast after the fact, first by Peter Jennings and Evan, he's called Evan Fairbanks, but I'm told his real name is Evan Koopman. I don't know. I, that's a whole area that's got to be researched, this, this guy, because he's a material witness. That's the best, and the one right after that is, of course, the classic, now become famous, one attributed to Michael, allegedly, alleged amateur videographer, Michael Hezerkani. Because, you know, you guys get on, and people talk about, well, were there any witnesses, and did anybody really claim? Well, we, we do have witnesses. We have the people who took the videos that the networks broadcast, because they're telling us that. There are witnesses. Yeah. <laughs> so they need, you know, they need to be brought forward to explain these wonderful videos that they're claiming credit for. And Michael Hezerkani is the other one. And what he, and if you look at the Hezerkani, which was broadcast by CNN. Oh, by the way, getting back to Evan Fairbanks, I noticed Peter Jennings was dead of cancer within six months of that broadcast. Am I? Is that right? I it was that so, soon, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. And. Uh, so, and now, of course, we're talking to 2005, 2000. I mean, we're talking already before 2005. <laughs> you understand? The fakery was manifest before 2005 because it was so cheaply done by anybody who really wanted to look at it. And I'm not exactly a, I'm not exactly a genius. My, my, I hold a master's degree from the uh, Whiting School of Engineering, Johns Hopkins University, applied physics lab, but it's in computer science. It's not like it's in hard math. I minored in math. I wasn't too good at it. But I know how stupid that image is, that Fairbanks image is. So that and the Hezer, the Hezer Connie one, to me, looks like uh, a sort of a Microsoft Flight Simulator game of the period. Looks like an image you might see if you were using, if you were using one of the Flight Simulator pack, games packages that Microsoft was selling about that time. And that's called Ghost Plane. People came to make fun of that. They called it Ghost Plane. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah, and, the, and there was a there was a reporter that was covering you know during the event of nine eleven, and he said that it looked like a cartoon, like a you know the Wally Coyote when he goes into a wall, you know, and disappeared. He, and there was a commentator in the news segment that said that that it looked like that. Well, Jennings and Fairbanks themselves say, if you watch that full interview, the five minute interview, Evan Fairbanks a.k.a. Evan Koopman, whoever he is, says several times, like a bad special effect. Like a bad yeah. special effect. Because oh, yeah. he knows how fake it looks. That was weird. Yeah, He knows it looks nothing like what a real Boeing jet would look like impacting a steel-reinforced concrete skyscraper. You know, Boeing jets are something oh, yeah. like yeah. a basket. And there's a few them. clips on YouTube that you can watch. of. Uh, there's like a a fuselage of one of those uh, jet airplane, commercial jet airplanes, and the uh, truck drives, drives through it and just goes right through it like it was nothing. Yeah, and, you, got and pictures, the, and, uh, you got pictures out there on the web of what a flock of birds can do yeah. to, the, to that fiberglass <laughs> nose cone and aluminum 
you know, <laughs> shield of a of a Boeing. Commer- yeah, and you got the Boeing nose speaking commer- on the other side. Yeah, and <laughs> on the building. That's the whole thing. This whole notion of common sense here, because you got to figure Boeing commercial jets. I mean, this is not a DU Harden missile we're talking about. Now, when you look at the nose out footage that Fox broadcast, that would be the third thing I would include, Chris. So already you've already got Evan Fairbanks is the worst. You look at that. That's such a piece of sh- crap. How anybody could fall for that's shameful, shameful that and that's ABC News. And the late Peter Jennings, that is shameful that they broadcast that. And they didn't have a chance to look at it first. They, are you telling me they weren't able to look at it in slow motion like we, like we can, frame by frame, no. and see the total oh, yeah. absence of impact? I, I, I don't think uh, it's not their job. They're just going to commentate on what it's being I think they all knew. I think they all knew. And I think many people knew. And I think anyone out there... And these are arguments I per- still have. Yeah, I know. Chris is going to say I'm wasting my time, but I still hang out with a number of 9-11 truth groups, teleconferences and email chains and groups that are our, or the 28 pages, various groups I'm hooked. I mean, I, I still get them all. I still send them because I represent fakeology among those people. You understand? I have to represent fake fakeology and hoax busting. And media fakery among – I have to constantly be telling them, why are you sucking up this media narrative? You really don't know what the hell happened. What you have to do is sort of reverse engineer the, what agendas are behind the narrative, and then, then you can worry about what actually happened. But frankly, nobody probably got killed in this in, in incident. Or, and people are catching on. People are catching on, but they still want to cling to these to – instant, I still got people out there that are arguing for climate change, see? And I'm showing them pictures of chemtrails, but they're arguing. For, they're saying, well, yeah, but they're trying to make excuses for the chemtrails by saying, well, climate change is already happening, so they must have started the chemtrails in order to fight the climate change. And maybe the, the shit that I'm hearing these people say, and I know what it is, they've got to salvage and prop up their faith in the canonical authority of whoever is paying them their salary or their pension. Their salary mm-hmm. in cases. Mm-hmm. That's the oh, bottom yeah. line here. This this is a yeah. society that has been pros- it's been intellectually prostituted because it's allowed insults to in- its intelligence that future generations simply will not forgive and will not. Well, accept. it uh, it it sort of negates most intellectual pursuits, doesn't it? If if that if if you're okay, if you have absorb and you process 9-11 like what it you know what it really is a hoaxed event with uh impossible physics and everything else incorporated into the storyline well this is what what jay dyer would say jay dyer would say that behind this engineered cognitive dissonance is 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 the attempt to create a is the word nihilistic or nihilistic is is the advancement of a nihilistic of a sort of total erasure of any sense of rationality or coherence, so you're completely dependent on uh, yeah. w- whatever's coming out, whatever they're blasting out of the, out of the box. Yeah, because you yeah. can no longer rely upon your own reasoning and your thought processes, and you're, you're, you're doubly enslaved when you accept that, and you try to, and then, you, then you have to, like, try to somehow intellectually defend it, which is totally, and I, and I think that is, and I've, I've talked about this multiple times before how that I feel I have I have the feeling that it was intentionally purposely done like they didn't know they didn't need to show the nose of the plane coming out the other side of the building they didn't need to show that 
Well, but there was people, a there was a reason for them that? doing that doing it Pe- that way. People people thought that was a, a cock up. They thought that was a screw up, right? Well, uh, yeah, I think of people initially, like Simon Shack said initially, you know, he thought that was a screw up, but then like, um, well, what you know, you, a it, D, I'll tell you what, a DU hard from missile angles is a not DU like hard, one. A DU hardened missile might look like that, right? Could a, could a DU hardened missile go all the way through a, a you know, not a, obviously not a Boeing jet, but could a, a depleted uranium hardened tip missile? Okay, so it would explode at what point when it when it penetrates the target and comes out the other side a, a missile is not designed oh yeah i yet. don't know Missiles yeah i mean designed. that's what i'm saying but but you I know don't, i'm not a missile expert but I, I i don't i really don't believe that they're designed to penetrate cuz that would be super inefficient wouldn't it i mean what yeah, would be the point well does a bullet go all the way through something I, yeah exactly i don't know what you're well, saying well a bullet will but we're talking we're talking about bearing apples and oranges here like you a know, missile is a, a on the tip they, the right. tips detonate. Yeah, the detonator is on the tip, right? Yeah. They actually yeah. don't want the yeah. most. The best yeah. battlefield bolts are designed to to blow up inside you, not to go through you. Isn't that correct? And I, and I figured they'd use like full on uranium and not depleted. You know, they don't want to really make the building toxic. They want to blow the shit up. Know, here's the thing. But there was no. Know, there would played... be no point in firing a missile under the building. What would exactly. be the point? Exactly. What would be the like point? This, except you know? for special. Except for special effects. I don't know. I don't don't know. I mean, that's because you have to get into like conjecture and stuff, which I don't really like to do too much. I mean, but it's like I I would think like the the, what is the most tried and true method for making a hole in the side of a building and then blowing it up from the inside, blowing it up from the inside. Well, yeah, you could put the charges and, and I don't think it was in a. I don't think it was a straight up explosion. I think it was pyrotechnics. It was literally like yeah. they would have at a kiss. A Hollywood style of pyrotechnics. Yeah, it was Hollywood, right. full full blower Hollywood style. And see, I don't see with the video, like uh, what they presented on the video. I I think that the the video that they presented is not real. Obviously, I don't think it's real. But then, no, I wait a minute, but the, Chris, I, you know, every time you say, but. But it's fucking real because it's evidence. It's evidence that these people broadcast cartoons and told people it was real. So it is damn fucking real. So don't trivialize it. These people are going to be hanged for this. You know what's happening here? Everybody wants to trivialize. The point I'm trying to make is that the, the, the video footage is not what... If you were looking directly at it as it really happened in real time, like you were there on the scene... You would have saw something that closely approximated what was on uh, the video, with the exception of the plane, right? So you'd have you'd actually because you would actually see explosion. There's actually to like fake, to the, fake to fake a military attack, a military attack, a terrorist attack on the United States, especially on the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. But but to fake it. Do you understand? To fake it in order yeah. to have a pretext to advance whatever foreign policy, war, whatever, invasion, whatever, whatever, that is a crime. And for, for networks, for media networks to knowingly have broadcast stupidly transparent fake video, which future generations can look at, especially in the instance of the Fairbanks and the Hezer Connie, which are so transparent as to be utterly insulting to the intelligence of a grade schooler. Am I wrong here? Somebody somebody shoot me down on this. 
Would any grade schooler now be able to look at the Hezer Connie and Fairbanks and say, well, that's crap. That's that's cheap uh, cartoonery. We can do better than that. I could do it. But you're, you're invoking the law here and all that. And, and, and like I, I've covered this a couple of times. I brought up the uh, – okay, because we have to – because a lot of people – you're not the only one, Lynn. I mean, I know there's a lot of people that are kind of in this this sort of mindset. Like, you know, we're – you know, we'll get to the bottom of the nine eleven. We just need to expose it. We just we get, get, to the we get it. We, we, we don't need we to get, get enough the of the right people uh, with the no, you no, know, no, no. To present it, them, and then we'll we'll turn the tides and get get people in court. We'll get them to stand Chris, trial. Chris, like, if you shout fire in a crowded movie theater, and there's a stampede, it, you shout fire falsely, falsely in a crowded dark movie theater, and there's a stampede. Yeah. And some and some babies get killed. Some babies get trampled. Okay. Someone has to be held accountable. There has to be someone held responsible for that. Do you understand? There's a, there's some criminal liability involved there. So this yeah, is not simply this is not simply fraud. Do you understand? When you send people, when you induce a hysterical state among a population and march them off to war, that's a crime against humanity. That's a crime. In yeah. that's a crime that clearly violates. The Nuremberg precedent, you know, stuff that's been established at the Hague. The the radio broadcasters who induced the population of Rwanda, half the population of Rwanda, to kill the other, well, the Hutus, to attack the Tutsis and massacre them. They didn't have television. They had radio. But the greatest asset that they had in, in creating that massacre was radio. And after the fact, when the World Court rounded them all up, and those trials occurred, radio broadcasters were among the most high-profile people put on trial and and jailed. And jailed. When was this? Well, unless you think this narrative is completely fake, there are radio broadcasters who broadcast to induce hysteria among the Hutu population in Rwanda that are in prison now. They're doing life sentences, I'm pretty sure. You can go on out and Google that if you want. I mean, they're ha- they're, what I'm saying is somebody is like Slobodan Milosevic. You understand? He was sent to Now, he might not have really been guilty. I don't know. Maybe he was probably just a sacrifice. He was a sacrificial goat. But I'm telling you, somebody's got to get thrown under the bus for some of this stuff. And people do get thrown under the bus. Now, you can either stand back and watch these gangsters decide, make that decision, or maybe you can intervene and tilt things one way or another. See? That, that's my view of it. But I know, somebody, I know there's going to have to be a sacrifice at some point for everything that goes wrong. And for every, and for every narrative that's utterly discredited, there will have to be a sacrifice somewhere along the line, a symbolic sacrifice maybe. This would get pretty probably hard. symbolic, and probably in the arena symbolic because you know the, the the ruling class never really gets prosecuted for anything. Yeah, no, you'd have get, to you'd have to put the whole system on trial. The, the thing, the thing is that that's not going to happen. You, you got to look at the history of it. Yeah, that's right. You have things like, um, you know, you do have revolutions and wars and and purges and so forth. They're all manufactured. Um. You don't think there's real blood involved in some of these? I don't think revolution's real. I'm not saying the revolutions are fake. I'm saying they're all contrived, manufactured dialectics. 
well, Mexico's forces with an agenda, and it's always yeah. some some mind controller controlling the weak minds into sacrificing themselves, or it's total bullshit, uh, fake history. Well, I don't know. fake okay. news is yeah. nothing compared to fake yeah. history. Fake I history somehow, needs to be in the headlines. Yeah, somehow I don't That's think right. those. I don't think those between three hundred and five hundred thousand dead communists in Indonesia in nineteen sixty five are a myth. I well, think what about real. the six million Jews in in in, in Europe in, uh, against Nazi? Were there even six million Jews? Well, yeah, I mean, were there well, even six million Jews? That's an exaggeration. The six million. Oh, I know. There's tons of exaggerations. Right, and, right, and if yeah. you go through all of them, you can oh, yeah, pull them all. But the half million, but the half million or so Indonesians who were massacred, I can tell you over the years how many interviews I've listened to with people who. You know, live in Indonesia or have lived in Indonesia. Or... My point isn't people that uh, didn't die. My point is the the revolution's bullshit. Like it's not people well, revolting be. for rights. It's people controlling people's minds oh, yeah. and acting like fucking suicide machines. Yeah. There's a lot of mind control but, uh, going on. I agree, but there's also some murder going of revolution. On. <laughs> there's yeah. mind control. There's yeah. also murder. Whether people died or not is not the point. The point is the revolution's bullshit, and that's what we're being put into. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I think. That's the whole thesis. I'm kind of like uncovering with this minute, miniature idea of just punk rock. It's all revolutional uh, seeds being planted, and then you look at you know let's let's go to the conspiracy realm. What are we supposed to do? Revolt. What's Ron Paul going to do? Ron Paul revolution. Every single aspect of our society is being seeded with revolution on some front or another, even the soccer moms watching The View. Every single aspect of our society is being seeded with their appropriate seeds with the same idea and its revolution. But that's the trivialization of language. Hold on. It's not stronger than ever right now. Uh, it's not so we revolt, it's so we stay in a constant state of mind of perpetual revolution mindset. The black The black Actually, Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson wrote that that should be our, our continue, that in fact human development should be in a continuous state of revolution. Thomas Jefferson wrote that. It's the perfect dialectic. The perfect dialectic. Progressivism. Miss Lynn, check out uh, Gustave Le Bon, French polemist. <laughs> no, yeah, it was uh, the Hey, he sounds like he was full of hot air. He was. Oh, yeah, Speaking of hot air, he was making uh, Luna. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, oh, yeah, they, but, were, they, they were the cutting edge the, of the, the deck. The guy that was talking, he was right because uh, they want us to have, be in a perpetual state of revolution. That's pretty obvious. And there's a document that was pub- published in 2002, uh, 2001, 2002. Uh, it was MBIC, the Nano Bio uh document talking about the future of sciences. And it says in the document that uh, the you know this century and, and the world is going to be in constant state of flux. You know, it's, it's going to be. Uh, like a constant state of chaos. So yeah, revolution's uh, gonna be part of that. No, you're right. And there's no end game. There's no revolution. It's just the process of bringing us to revolution is enough. And yeah, we're, there's gonna yeah. be some deaths. And yeah, there's gonna be some clowns dressing up like in all black, marching up and down Zuccotti Park in New York, making asses themselves, breaking shit. That's not revolution. That's a bunch of simple-minded punks being punks. 
Well, you know, it's, say, we, we got some of the most mundane you shit. You know? You know we all want to change the world. <laughs> <laughs> hey, here's one. Here's one. Maybe maybe one of you can It's Kabbalah. Him. It's Kabbalah. <laughs> it is. Kabbalah is it's, it's revolutionary magic. That's all it is. All through the 90s. The United States was at war in the Balkans, right? Or was that was that all? NATO was at war in the Balkans over Yugoslavia, right? In Kosovo, in Bosnia. Hey, Lynn, excuse me. Are you on a are you on a uh, a cordless phone or something? Let me see if I can. Sounds like you're Indian about, burning a balloon. How about now? <laughs> you're still getting that. That's that better. Yeah. Yeah. I was saying earlier, it sounds like you're making balloon animals. I had read that in order to provide uh, cloud cover for daily aerial bombardment of, Bel- of targets in Belgrade, and I imagine Wesley Clark, you know, and NATO pretty much, you know, scoped all this out, that People living in Belgrade reported that they had like months, literally months that were conti- of continuously cloud with no sun, continuously cloudy days, artificially induced. They believed by NATO in order to provide cloud cover for air- targeted aerial bombardment, bombardment of selective, you know, things like uh, television stations, radio state. In one case, they they. They accidentally hit, allegedly accidentally hit the Chinese embassy. We were told. Did they, did they make that up? I mean, I don't know. Is that more narrative? This assassination of the Russian ambassador in. Uh, oh yeah. In Turkey, is, is that real? Is that real? No, I don't think it's real. I mean, you know, the, the guy that was the, the the camera guy that was in front of the ambassador. I mean, he had the time to, you know, like pan back and refocus and get the whole image, you know. If I were if if it were me I'd get the hell out of there. You know, right, so our, our, and... our task here is to integrate it, it put together into in, into a coherent narrative, admittedly uh, a speculative or conjectural narrative of what motives would be driving Putin and the Russians to play along, with it, given that this narrative is being contrived in one way or another, whether they actually, whether they actually, actually sacrificed a body or not, gangster mm-hmm. style, or whether they only faked it, the willingness of the – you have to look at every conjuncture where the Russians or the Chinese are in agreement with – Yes, they are. Well, you, you know yes. – I have a I have a hypothesis on this I've not stepped on yet, but I'm sure somebody in this world has. But to, I think just to solve or get get what we kind of want to know, all we got to do is look at their banking system and who 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 the financiers are. Who, who right. runs Russia's banking? Who runs China's banking? I know a teeny first level bit. It's nothing worth regurgitating, but that's the reality. That is the reality. We can sniff that out on our end of the scope. We can see that in South American. Uh, discourse and African discourse, we can see it in all the discourse in the world and we all know it. It's 
you know, the bankers, but it is, you know, it is the bankers. So who really bankrolls the Russian bank? It is state owned, but who bankrolls it? You find that out there, there, there it is. Like they're, they're another dialectic or they're, they're, they're good guys. I'm, I'm willing to tell you that's another that, dialectic. That's pretty I'm obvious. And, and, uh, and then one of the, one of the last calls that I talked to, there was a, I mentioned the report in the 2014 or 2015, you know about the the Ukraine crisis when it was starting, and the Russian finance minister, the 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 guy in charge of finances uh, of Russia, he stated that yes, that the that Ukraine should pursue getting an uh, a loan from the IMF. You know the IMF is from Washington, so you know, that's a complete contradiction to what the narrative was saying that you know they're against the United States and want them to uh, you know get into the Euro deal. They wanted to. Uh, Get into their satellite, you know, beat the, the Russian uh, satellite country. You know that completely exactly. contradicts the narrative. And you know, and exactly. then there's this Chinese guy in 2009. He was he's a, one of the guys in charge of the BRICS. You know, the Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. I forget his name always, but he said in, two, in 2009 that uh, that we should pursue integrating ourselves into the SDR uh, framework. The special drawing right. That's from what the IMF. That's from Washington. So, you know, and and you're right. You're totally right. You look at the bankers. Look at the people on top. The one, the one that runs the economy. You know, that's the most important thing uh, in all countries because without an economy, you can't feed your soldiers. You can't do anything. Uh, you know, and social, you need to have a good economy. So you look at the people in charge of the economy, the finances. They're pretty much working together. And and not only that, you know, there's China, Russia. They're both signed in into uh, Agenda 21. You know, it's, it's it's another aspect of that. You know, and all of the countries, almost all of the countries in the world are in Agenda 21. So what's what's the deal here? You know, they say they're fighting, they're against one another, another, but they're actively implementing simultaneously this new agenda, you know, the 21st century agenda, the Agenda 21. You know, that's another aspect that people should be uh, looking at. Oh, well, you got to understand that uh, Trump is against global warming and he's going to reverse all the Agenda 21 stuff. I think Putin is working with them too. So they're they're going to count they're going to counter all of that and un, undo all of that, right? Well, that's what I heard. If they're doing it through chemtrails or uh, the spraying, I think they took the vacation uh, for Christmas because I've been watching it. I, I, I spoke on it a little bit earlier how they spray a lot here, and I, I'm close to Orlando, and it's all the time, but. Come Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I didn't see a single spray, and and I I was watching. So I'm like, if if they're doing something legitimate, you know, that's supposed to be for the good of everything, you know, life. I guess it's not that important, that, you know. They can they can be home with their kids. Found it interesting. Well, yeah, I was just being facetious. I don't think that's enough. I'm sorry, what was that? I didn't catch that. Oh, did somebody say something when I was talking? I didn't I couldn't hear what they said. <laughs> I heard an echo. Hello? All right, I'll say something. So so going to China, if we look at their leader Lin Chuan, he uh 
went to Catholic school. <laughs> he, went to, he went to a Jesuit oh, school. Yeah. The current leader of China is, mm-hmm. is Jesuit trained, lined up with our president, you know, uh, like. Yeah, and I, well, you know, as is there a I don't know. Are we nationalists? I don't know. But, like, it's hard to show themselves with the educational systems and, you know, in the banking systems. You see where they went to school, you see who finance, who bankrolls the idea or the country. And the game's like face up, really. And you just kind of watch, you know? I don't know. Sorry, uh, can you get closer to the phone? I can't hear you very well, man. Yeah. Okay. And uh, as to Vladimir Putin, uh, uh, you know, he's a ninth don in judo. And uh, actually, he holds ranks in Sambo, which is their their national martial art, and and some other arts. And uh, he still he still teaches. He works out regularly with his uh, his own security escort. And uh, you know, fluent in German. Uh, This is a very savvy guy, and I don't see a gangster like him hooking up with the Western gangsters and letting them push him around. I, I just don't see that. Well, I, I see them as puppets to the guys who bankroll the country. No, no, I, I believe that they're, they're working together. You know, he was from KGB, and if you know, you go back to history, uh, the Bolshevik Revolution that was bankrolled by the West, and not only that, through uh, Anthony Sun's work, uh, the Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution, there's his first three volumes of his academic work, uh, Western Technology and Soviet Economic Development, and he proves that the economic, industrial, and warlike potential that the Soviet uh, uh, Soviet country had, you know, uh, Soviet Russia, that was always, you know, that was from the West. You know, mostly uh, Wall, uh, Wall firms that were in Wall Street and in England and uh, Germany and Italy and France. You know, so from there yeah. you, you you see, okay, you know, this whole framework of the Soviet Union, you know, the intelligence agencies included, that were all set up by the West. And, you know, you got Carol Quigley, uh, talking and in, charging in hope that the, the the communists and the capitalists were working together. So, you know, in, in regards to the intelligence agencies, I believe that the you know Cold War was another way to set up a, like a global network, and the KGB are all, all working with the CIA and, and vice versa. So you know, I, I don't really think uh, he's a, averse to the West in any way. And and another another place to look is the technocrats that that uh, had their hand in in all all countries. So just. Same with Russia and America. They yeah. got Taylorism. Taylor, you know, yeah. they, they came up with Taylorism. You know, uh, that was some recent stuff that I came across. And, um, you know, that. so they're using the same technocrats. And that goes on with, like, Edward Bernays. That goes on with all these same characters we bring up. But it's, they're playing over there, too, or they were playing over there. It's, you know, it's... it's, it's you know, no, a couple, a no couple of months, a couple of months ago, I, I, I came on the call... And I told you that Trump is the rump. Oh, yeah. That's right. He did. <laughs> he's the, he's the last one. Yeah. And if you take if you take Trump and you take Putin, but you you can't say it Putin. You have to say put in put in <laughs> the rump. <laughs> <laughs> what you're saying, Glenn, is we're 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 get we're gonna take it up the rear with no loop. But you, what I'm trying to tell you Again? is, if you take if you take the 
word Russia. Russia is not the name of a country. It's a question being asked to homosexual troglodyte priests. The question is, are you assy? What about Putin and Merkel? He got some Merkel on her face. <laughs> Putin's around with Merkel on her face. <laughs> oh my God! Sorry, I keep Sorry, sorry, sorry. Keep going. <laughs> Sorry, the image. But he's the last one on the list. And after that, that's when you're going to see the floods come and the black water. And you know, once once the question's answered, are you assy? <laughs> put in the rump. The floods will come down from Canada. <laughs> oh, oh man! Uh, oh, okay, I'm gonna stop. <laughs> well, I knew the Canadians were in on it somehow. That, that's the that's what I was talking about—the missing piece of the puzzle. Glenn was kind enough to fill us in on that. Yeah, it's going to be the, uh, yeah, it's going to be bad. That's all I know. I I, I got to agree with the general drift of the discussion that the best way to demystify it all is to follow the money. So you do kind of have to look at the bank. And the education system. Dude, the education How do you follow the money? Too. Money's going everywhere all the time. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's, I think it's hard to follow, but, you know, you look well, at you, That's why you have the, the colleges, I'm telling you. So we got Mao Zedong went to Yale, and he died in 73. Yeah. So he's working, you know, through those the decades previous to that with other Yale bonesmen. And I'm not saying he was a bonesman. I'm just saying we have these par- pairings. So we have the Yale pairing back then, and now we have the Jesuit well, pairing today. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where are you getting this Mao Zedong? Went? I've read some biographies of Mao Zedong. Who's claiming he went to Yale? I'm claiming there he was went to a, Yale, China. Let's let's clarify this. I don't think Mao Zedong ever really left China. I didn't say he did. There's Yale right. in China. Now, There's oh, a Yale right, in China. Yes, yes, definitely. Definitely. And, and, okay. So yeah, he went to Yale. He worked at the bookstore. Oh, okay, yeah. I guess you could say that technically, yeah. 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 If he if he was yeah, if he got any American education over there, sure. Now Cho and Lai went to the Sorbonne, University of Paris. So did Ho Chi Minh. So did Paul Pot. Oh, Ho Chi Minh. Imagine that Paul yeah. Pot went to the to, to the Sorbonne at the University of Paris. <laughs> fluent Ho French. Ho Chi Minh went to the Communist Toiler School as well with Jomo Kenyatta, who also went to London School of Economics, who right. also went to Quaker School. Right. Also went to Quaker School. So, right, and they all yeah, ended up at, at Patrice Lumumba University in Moscow at one time or another as well. And, you know, I mean... So, yeah. There we go. There we go. Oh, and, and Anthony... Well, here, here's one thing. I hope he's real. <laughs> here, here's one thing. Okay. 
There's a book that I recommend on the reading list. It's called The Dynamics of Change. It's by Don Fabian. It was a book that was funded by the Kaiser, the Henry J. Kaiser Foundation, which that's Kaiser Aluminum Steel. Aluminum and Steel. <laughs> no, but Miles Master says he might be born into that family. Well, that's right. Hey, hey, what, 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 how, uh, how did they manage the to get into? How did they manage to get into healthcare? <laughs> right, exactly. How did they take right. over healthcare? What, what's uh, the, what's the name of the author, please? Don Fabin, F A B U I N, or F A B U N. Okay, got and, it. Okay, now. Here, here's here's a quote from that book. He's talk. This is from 1967. He says, "That's it over there on your on the bureau where you left it last night. Your electronic alter ego. It's no bigger than a pack of cigarettes, yet it's stored everything that you have ever experienced. Ask it a question, and if it doesn't have the answer, it will plug into some system that does. A federal census information service, a state service, or a municipal one." So what happens then when that little black box on your bedside table is intellectually superior to you? This brings us to another question. What is the interaction that takes place between a human organism at the interface where it joins the machine it designs, builds, and operates? Historically, we've always learned to live with our artifacts. The motor car, which once frightened men as well as horses, has become so much a part of our daily lives that to remove it now might destroy us utterly. Radio and TV and other machines have become the chief sources of our experience of the auditory and visual world. To realize how much we have integrated machine systems with human living, just try, as this writer once did, to live completely alone for 10 days without people or any of these machines. It is a shattering and decomposing psychological and emotional experience. In this section, we have used the image of the motorcycle rider as a symbol of man-machine symbiosis. Here, man and machine share life and death together. Each becomes the expression of the experience for the other. Someday, not too far from now, people will ride their personal computers with all the excitement that the motorcycle rider feels when he storms down the long tunnel of the night. We will, with our computers, explore our mental worlds with, it, with something that shares, amplifies, and defines our experience. In doing so, it will help us define ourselves as human personalities. <clears throat> Then there's this quote, okay? Vehicles will be, will be guided by guidance systems. There will be television surveillance of every mile of every highway so that a dispatcher can anticipate problems and correct them from congestion builds up or takes remedial action after an accident has occurred. The driver's position in relation to other vehicles within one mile of him, together with his position on the roadway with respect to all points of conflict, will be shown continuously on a small television viewer available to him to flick a switch while he's watching that TV who is watching the road. The next step, of course, would be the completely computerized, electronically controlled movement of automobiles on freeway and turnpike systems. Such control systems will be well within our technology in the next two decades, and they almost are now. Now, here's the thing. If they didn't have full control of the people in charge who run the countries, 
I'm not saying that they have full control over everything and everybody, but if they have full control over all the people who run the countries and are the heads of state and are the heads of counties and all that stuff, they wouldn't have been able to do this, what he's talking about in 1967. Yeah, that's all coincidence, John. He just got it. He just got a, well, he just made some lucky educated guesses and then, we just so happen to be following, you know, right exactly directly in line with that predicted path. Yeah, and you go because the uh, crystal balls are real, and magic is real. Yeah, you go, you go, you go read Alvin Toffler's books and you get some of the more like social and psychological and cultural aspects of control, and it's right on the money and follows right on that path. And like I said they wouldn't have been able to exercise that type of control if they didn't have people in positions to be able to have that happen. So it's not possible um, whether, whether or not every single person in a government is in on something or not. It doesn't matter. Whoever the key person is in any place in the world, whether it be China, 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 whether it's China, China China has IBM smart cities. Mm-hmm. Okay. They have IBM, you know, they're like the test bed for the IBM smart city. And they were doing that. I have an article from Scientific American, like 2006, where they're talking about, like, building smart cities. And they had already, like, pretty much implemented it by then. Ah, so, ah but Disney, but Disney, it was Disney, in fact. At Disney World, that created the... Uh, Epcot. The, yeah, Epcot was the Epcot it, was a was a test it was a test bed. Yeah, yeah, which stands for yeah, Epcot, Epcot stands for is it emerging prototype communities of tomorrow? Yeah, experimental. Experiment. Oh, experimental. I like that even better. Experimental prototype community community of tomorrow. Total. And I remember a friend of mine. Back. Yeah, hold that train of thought. Sorry, sorry. Um, uh, not so Freemason, that was you talking, right? Yeah, yeah. My my old lady works at Disney. She she's there right now driving the bus, actually. Holy shit! Yeah, the the capital of uh, the Sion. Well, that you know that that brings. Oh, Mason's on here. That yeah. brings that brings me. Oh, to no, but, no, no, hey. but, you know the, the the guy that was talking. Who, who whose name is that? What's your uh, your name here in the chat? Sorry. Who's that? You know, the, the, the one that was talking right now before Lynn uh, uh, interjected. This is for you, Freemason. Oh, John Adams, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Southern California. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to ask you, uh, John, uh, what was the name of the other, the other author that you were talking about after uh, the first book you quoted? You know, because I I I wanted to, you know you mentioned it and I want to look for the author and read their books. You know, everybody whenever somebody says a reference or anything, I always type it in and look for it. What was that? The uh, dynamics have changed by Don Fabin, right, John? Yeah, yeah. Dynamics have yeah. changed by Don Fabin. It's it's on the recommended reading list on Hoaxbusters. Um, yeah, if you the, go into the uh, well, I gotta tell people where to find it. Like if you go into the past calls 
like if you go if you go through the blog, you go to some of the old, older posts, you're going to run into an afternoon commute because we do those regularly. And then there's always a link to the re- reading list at the bottom of those. Oh, have okay. you posted anything there to Nick Bostrom's simulation argument? Because that's really what this is about. Uh, no, send it to me. No. And I'll All right. Get it. The, the other author I mentioned was Alvin Toffler, Future Shock. Yeah. Uh, Nick, and Nick Gingrich. Shock. Newt Gingrich was a big fan of, of his. Okay. So, uh, you know, going actually, back to where Gingrich, you were, Gingrich wrote the forward left. to... Um, Gingrich wrote the foreword to Toffler's book called Towards a New Civilization. <laughs> well, I believe uh, Lynn was about to say something about a, a friend of hers. That was where I interrupted. Sorry. <laughs> oh, well, somebody back in the 70s, this, this really kind of, when I think back on this, it would have been maybe 1975 or 70, when Epcot, for, when I guess Epcot first opened. Uh, some friends of mine went down there and came back and one of them was really shocked by it. He said, I've seen the total surveillance police state of the future or something like that. I mean, he was freaked. Because he says, as soon as you got in the place, they they tagged you, they indexed you, they, they watched your every... I mean, he really got... he. He got this sense of it being so totally surveilled that it that he, that was what he walked. And he wasn't. He said after all that, he said being dazzled by all the technology kind of it had a there's hollow a, a hollow in his teeth. There's a two there's a 2010 article um, by a lady who I don't endorse, but this article is really good. Her name's Suzanne Susan Susan Pasella or something like that. And she wrote an article in 2010 where she did like a little background on on Disney and the the funding to build um, Disney World in Florida came from the Defense Department. <laughs> yep, we had to yeah, train they, a whole. They aided in um, the the tax abating uh, scheme of of setting up their own little cities. Uh, yeah, it's called the Reedy Creek Improvement District. We yes, about sir. that. Yeah, so they have their own sort of government, like the Disney Corporation has set up their own sort of. Uh, uh, yeah, Jay Dyer hit me to this, and uh, it, it, it it sounds an awful lot like a, uh, in a lot of ways, like like you know, you have Vatican City. You have the city states, right? You know, Washington D.C. D.C. is one city of it's London. Sort of a sovereign city of London, and it's sort of a sovereign nation, but that it's not a it's not a nation per se, but it's a city that's actually a, a sovereign entity in and of itself. And so, it would be really interesting to have Disney also one of these, and it also it makes a lot of sense in light of a lot of the stuff we talk about as far as everything being sort of hinged on these, you know, these, these psychological operations that shape people's minds. I mean, how important is this as, as far as the whole, in the whole scope of things? And then how downplayed is this as well? On the other hand, where you have the, this alternative media and all these supposed truth tellers out there and they never go into the, 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 the fake nature of like a lot of this stuff and how, 
you know this this has been this 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 ability to take imagery and to create narratives and fictional imaginary uh worlds that these that these you know the Hollywood special effects people create and are adept in how this has been weaponized and used to to shape and mold our minds and then subsequently shape and mold culture and it's like it's it's this this well, stuff also, is like really downplayed people get all hung up on like is is Putin going is he real or does he represent something real no he doesn't he doesn't it's like what John just got through reading I mean, that that should drive it home that's like a home run to tell you that there is no rogue agents running around in this system they're all on board with the same program and then also included in in the um Disney realm of uh, fiefdom is Seaside, Florida, where they filmed the Truman Show. Mm-hmm. The um, the Disney City that was built there. Um, yeah, there's Celebration, Florida too. Tele- is, Celebration, uh, Florida. Yeah, that's where they built. Sorry, that's what it's called. Yeah, it's Celebration, Florida, and it's uh, it's built to be the perfect suburban utopia, and you know, of course. Chris and I have tackled suburbia more than many times um, and how that works. But yeah, basically Celebration Florida is like a utopic test bed with, with like the cover of like Americana because it's it's built to look like a like a like an like like an Americana nostalgic suburb, but it's like a super high tech uh, police state grid. Yeah, I was there Friday. Uh, I was taking my kids through there to check out Christmas lights, <clears throat> and yeah, it's it's something else. It it'll definitely give you the creeps if uh, if you don't if you're not into a homogenized suburban aesthetic because it doesn't get any more homogenized out there they're like all the houses are exactly the same and you can reach out and touch you know the the next house to you uh but yeah it's its own little self-contained city they got hospital and and schools and churches and but um, the interesting part the interesting part about it is that it's actually it's like a parody of uh, like you know you can you can look at suburbia in and of itself as being you know um uh like it, it's like you know you you can paradise it and then it's 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 parodied by celebration florida but you're supposed to take it seriously even though it's like a self-conscious parody of suburbia Truman show like the Truman show mm-hmm. right like it, is, it actually is the Truman show yeah. in real life I think it even came out the same year. Uh, It was established in 1998, and Truman Show either came out in 98 or 99. I'm almost positive. Yeah, programming. I just find that interesting how things always seem to line up with what you see in the, the TV and but remember Epcot and all that and this planned city of the future and all this and these smart cities and all this. This was 
this could not have possibly been in response to the, uh, you know, what we know now as Agenda 21 and what, you know, we're being told is the answer to climate change and all that, because that, you know, back at that time, what was so when did this uh, undertaking start with the uh, Reedy Creek Improvement District and all this and setting all that stuff up in, you know, Disney World and all that? You know, they started planning that, what, in the 60s? I believe so. Uh, something like that. And, uh, yeah, so before anybody 69. had that on their lips or anything talking about that, they were already proposing these model cities of the future. And it's interesting that um, they didn't quite, uh, well, according to some stuff I was looking at, they didn't quite were able to uh, complete the program because they weren't able to put in the uh, on-site living quarters like they wanted it, it was going to be an actual city with people with pop you know populated you know uh condos and everything else that people would live inside this uh epcot thing that's what it was initially looked like it was intended but for some reason that wasn't that wasn't carried out to the extent hey, they wanted. The, so hey, that's on so, that note on that note i don't know if anybody knows this but um I was I was just doing some research here on my vacation, and I forgot the plot of the Towering Inferno that that movie because I was looking at that and seeing if there was any parallels to nine eleven in the Towering Inferno, and I didn't realize this, but after viewing after viewing a portion of it, the the Towering Inferno is. A building where people live and work in the in the building. It's an apartment oh, building really? slash slash um like and that's the whole that's what makes this uh, tower so so like um like that's the whole point behind the building of this tower. It's like this huge towering building, and then people live there but also work in the same place. Can a Trump tower be like that? Can it can a Trump tower be that kind of tower? Well, we have a tower like that here in in Los Angeles. It's called Target Town. Mm-hmm. Target Town. Target. I love that. Yeah, you. It's actually a, a tower. It's all contained. It, so they have Target like on the bottom floor, and above it is like apartments. Now, I mean, you see that a lot. That's not like a necessarily a new thing. I mean, you, you've seen that in. Any downtown area, they'll have, like, shopping, and then, like, above it, they'll have, like, several apartments or even, like, buildings and stuff like that. But on the lower level, they'll have – but you're you're telling me that it's, like, the whole thing is, like, a giant target that people live inside. I, I know we talked about this before, but I'm trying to get a real – Yeah, it's, on a, it. it's, a, it's a mall, but it's, it's not just, like, a – it's not just, like, a mall because there's, like, high-rise apartment buildings, like, you know, here. Like being, yeah, I got, I, I got the, I got the description here. It says architect Doug Roberts returns to San Francisco for for returns to San Francisco. Sorry, for the dedication of the glass tower, which he designed for owner James Duncan, 138 stories. Blah blah. blah. It's the world's tallest building, a combination of offices on the lower floors and apartments starting on the 80th floor. Build as a safe, a self-contained place where people can both work and live. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a, that's the towering inferno. That's the description of the building from the movie. Hmm. I didn't know that. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, in downtown LA, they have high, they have high-rise apartment buildings built on top of a massive, huge, gigantic target. What a zoo! I mean, I guess if you lived above it, would you have to walk through the target? <laughs> I, probably not. But why still. not? Because on the way in and out, you can pick up, you know, toothpaste, <laughs> toilet paper, or whatever. Uh, on a daily basis, I don't think so. Pick up a carton of milk. You can, you can, you can look it up. Just look at Target Town, Seventh and Figueroa, Los Angeles. You know, I got I got to tell you guys. Last time I, you know, I. I do occasionally go into a Target or a Walmart, but damn, if I don't have a headache within because of the lighting in there, I, I usually get like a, I notice when I get out of there, I say, I got to get out of here, got to get out of here. When I get out, I got kind of like a, a little bit of of uh, vertigo or nausea from the lighting in those places, and uh, I probably should be wearing shades inside. That's what I'll do. But uh, the lighting in them is. <laughs> Blindingly oppressive. You know. Well, you want to wear something to mess the, mess up the facial recognition devices. So the best thing it is wear a hat. And I do that a lot. I do that a lot. Getting I go into a pair of glasses and nose. Yeah, right. I, I wear all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah, inside one of those places because no one's looking anyway. They don't care. You know. <laughs> well, we have the high we have the high tech targets out here where when you walk through the aisles of um, because. All the all the targets here now have grocery stores in them. Mm-hmm. Yep. And when you walk when you walk through the aisles, they light up like they're dark. And then when when it senses that a person's on the aisle, oh the aisle my lights God. up. That yeah. is creepy. We got that at King Supers here. And you know what's next? Next they're going to have the uh, what they have at the malls already. Right out of Minority Report, a giant electronic screen right there in your path. That I don't know. It'll pick up something. It'll pick up your credit card number, and then it'll immediately flash a commercial for whatever you know it thinks you know the last thing you spent money on. Or did they already have this in like 2004? <laughs> it's nothing. They had, they had them, and they were like creeping people out. So I guess they stopped using them. Yeah, but they're back. I'm telling you, I was I was at the Columbia Mall over the week, and uh, it's weird because. Um, they're not programmed yet. I don't think they're you know they're that sophisticated yet. But still, it's like what I find oppressive about all this is their their presumption that they can't waste an inch of space. They've got to be shout. They got to be blasting something in your face or in your ear. It, you know, it's overkill is what it is. And I predict it's just gonna, that people are going to start to tune it out. And they already the are. They already are. They already are because everybody's because you know anybody with any brains is walking around with headphones on, right? Listening to their podcast or their music. They're not, you know, really. Why are you going to walk around the shopping mall looking and listening at what uh, listening to what they're offering when you can plug into your podcast? So, <laughs> not that I do that often. You know, malls are dangerous places because I think you're exposed to a lot of like really weird toxic shit there. But you know, once 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 a month or so, I make it over to the neighborhood mall. You know, um, just to see what mall what's happening in mall culture. I have to tell you guys, when I was over there over the summer, 
lo and behold, who comes trooping through but this screaming, shrieking, shrieking little uh, George Soros rent-a-mob of Black Lives Matter, complete with a hmm. megaphone and and uh, poli- and uh, look like a private security guard escort for the mall. Has Did you get their been- autograph? What's that? Did you get their autograph? They're actors. I almost got got in a fight with one of them because... Actors can't fight. You'll get sued. uh, Well, you know, one of them was particularly loud. She had a sign, you know, and I I said, uh, how did I put it? I said, uh, oh, I said, "Ah, you're pimped out to George Soros. And I started telling people, because everybody around me, this is, imagine, this is the food court of a shopping mall. Can you visualize that? (laughs) Where at? What part of the world? Columbia where? (laughs) Yeah. Columbia Mall, the food court. Uh, yeah, what city really, you got these overpriced clothing stores, okay. then you got a, you know, the food court, Fair McDonald's. Word. I mean, it's a mall. It's a freaking shopping mall. Nobody okay. would say shit about it. Nobody would say. Nobody knew what the hell it was about. You understand? All of a sudden, and I, I guess yeah. they had about twenty or thirty. I'd say about thirty of them, less than fifty. It was not a large crowd. Very young. And I and damn, if, and the loudest ones clearly were, and the signs were all pre-printed. So people said, "What's this?" I said, "Ah, George Soros just hired some local, you know, local hookers to go run around and scream <laughs> in the mall." And one of them got in my face and started yelling, um, "What was she yelling? Something about stop police killing, stop!" And she was screaming in my face, "Stop police killing, stop!" And they they and they were escorted through all the way down to the end of the mall and out and probably around by this with a complete, you know, rent a cop escort. Very theatrical. Displayed. Almost as though the, yeah, the mall was going to symbolically let them march through, but not have them interfere with any of the important business of Christmas. Of uh, Well, this was this would have been back in uh, before Thanksgiving. Would have been back probably yeah, late summer. It was ridiculous, really, because most of the people, and you could hear the echoing of them as they passed. And so everyone turned around and said, well, what the hell was that? No, no one had a clue what it was about. No one. No one around me, and you know, the full food court was full of people. This was like, you know, early evening, late afternoon. The place is usually pretty full. No one had a clue what any of this was about. So I would say such an exercise was only for the benefit of the 30 or so who participated, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Financially, maybe. Well, unless it was videotaped and transformed into some dramatic narrative broadcast over local TV networks. I did not go home and check that night. I have no idea. I didn't. I didn't notice if there were any cameras in attendance or any media in attendance. But I assume it got coverage. That maybe that's the idea. You stage one of these things, and then you could you can make it into whatever you over the media. They could say there were hundreds. They you can know. use mall security camera to make it look real. Yeah. Yeah. Mall security Why even bother? Chris and I. Chris and I discussed this one time. Um, if you go back in some of the calls, we did a whole call like exposing the weather underground as a bunch of fakes. And um, and it occurred to me one day when my daughter was really young, uh, she was taking a nap, and I was watching the Weather Underground documentary with the sound down. And... If you can watch documentaries with the sound off, I recommend it because you you'll see stuff that you don't normally see when the sound's on. 
Yeah, closed caption. You turn on the closed caption. I, I constantly watch movies that way because I find the soundtrack annoying. You want to know the truth? Right. A lot, a lot of, I, I find the soundtrack on TV and movies today so annoying sometimes, so overbearing. I just turn it off, and I turn on closed caption and read the script. But go yeah. ahead. I'm sorry. Well, well, so one thing I noticed was that when Bernadine Dorn was first – Becoming the rock star superstar of the uh, radical left. Right. Just for a note, parenthetically, you're talking about Bill Ayer's wife. She right. was a she was a lawyer with the National Lawyers Guild. She was a little bit older than the rest of them. I met her several times, and she was sort of a senior. She was regarded as sort of a senior, experienced person with us because we we all believed that she was actually a, a bona fide member of the Communist Party since they controlled the National Lawyers Guild. Most of us uh, had a very, very negative attitude toward, toward the Communist Party, considered them to be a bunch of uh, FBI infiltrated and, and everything else. But uh, yeah, go ahead. I can tell you all about Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn and the Weather Underground. I knew Mark Rudd. I knew all those people. <laughs> well, um, the, 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 funny, the funny thing about these uh, – well, I mean – I won't, I'm not going to get into their history. I'm just going to tell you this one part. But, oh, I can, um, t- I can tell you one thing. Whenever we were at a demonstration and we got busted, we sat in jail. They were bailed out immediately. And they were celebrities. Admittedly, they were leaders and celebrities. They were the big names. And they all got – you could look around and see who was still sitting in jail the next day, all filthy, you know, and the next couple days sometimes, and who got bailed out right away. And people like Bill Ayers, Bernadine Dorn, always got bailed out right away. They're at Tom Hayden, they were all the celebrities in the movement. Mm-hmm. Yep. And here, and here's the here's the thing. They were they had foot. This is what struck me. They had footage like this really early footage, and it was local stuff. It was just local, um, real early black and white footage of Bernadine. At these rap, at these quote unquote Black Panther, um, she very big with the Black rallies. Yeah. Well, here, here's the thing. Let, just let me finish this. It's um, she was at these quote unquote rallies, but you could tell that there was only like five people there, and the media was covering it. And so, as I'm watching this with the sound down, I'm looking at it, I'm all. There's like five people here, and yet the news is covering this. This is, you know, that, you know, and then, of course, Bernadine Dorn's there. But what it was, what they were doing was, and like, like you're seeing this Black Lives Matter thing, is it creates the idea if it's happening and set up in every little town across America, then it appears as if it's a national movement. You see, mm-hmm. so if somebody marching through the mall with a mob and then like you're saying like oh then you can tell the media that you know it, it was 300 people instead of 30 that is the point the point is is to create the perception like oh yes there's even protesters at the columbia mall <laughs> Ridiculous. right absurd so yeah so it creates the perception that it's this nationwide thing and it was the same thing with the um, civil rights movement. The civil rights movement wasn't really that big, and it was mostly a communist-run operation. And it created the perception that there was, you know, massive amounts of support for it when there really wasn't. 
There were legitimate grievances. There were definitely there was a his historical grievances. Hey, can uh, you guys hear the you guys hear the closing up shop music? Uh, not yet. No, no, I didn't. Oh, okay. I just wonder if it's coming through. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we have to shut it down. Uh, you made me so think of the film. The... He's making me think of the film Network when he talks about Bernadine Dorn and these staged event pseudo yeah. events. Well, well, if the music was coming through, it's actually a civil rights song, "Mercy, Mercy, Mercy" by Cannonball Adderley. <laughs> no, actually, I, don't I think... have a couple of. Uh, have mercy. On I have a couple of closing musics now. Couple of different ones. That's Chris, one of them. I, I played that last. I don't. Time. I don't Y'all can't hear any, any music coming through today. No, nothing. None of yeah, your clips we don't hear it today, yet. or 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 your like uh, <laughs> caller in or clip. It didn't work. Oh wait a minute! Oh, I can hear something hear faint okay. in the background. No. I can hear something faint in the background. Yeah, I think I got a problem here with the with the the setup. I'm not sure what's going on. Oh man, you missed out. There was so much great clips. Just absolutely freaking hilarious. Like no agenda, I, I mean, right? Uh, like no agenda. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I just. Uh, you're gonna be on Alex Jones soon. soon. Frustrating. Yeah, you're gonna be what's on Alex again? Jones, right, Chris? When he invites yeah, you, yeah. have you decided yet? <laughs> Y'all hear that? You couldn't hear it. No, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But yeah, anyway, yeah. Thanks to y'all for coming out. Uh, man, we had like quite a few callers on. Let's see if I remember everybody that came on. I got Eli. Eli came on. Nino. Not so Freemason. And uh, Lynn. Lynn, are you East Maryland or Psy Girl? When you call in, it pops up East Maryland. Okay. I'm both. I'm both. And then we had Glenn Keeley on for a little bit. It's always good to hear from them, him, and uh, so we can get this straightened out on our factoids and then john adams always seems to immediately follow glenn keely it's odd i don't know why that is but like john adams will be on always immediately after glenn comes on it's it's very uncanny uncanny i don't know but uh starting to think they may be the same person but i don't know i just i don't want to go into dallas goldbug land but anyway yeah everybody thanks for <laughs> Coming on the call tonight. Uh, so hopefully we'll do it next Monday night. And uh, well, we had Matt on here and he didn't chime in. Yeah, I think Let's my. Uh, can you hear me now? I think my mic was messed happened, up or something. Something happened with my uh, configurations here, and I got it all messed up according to yeah, yeah. the program and whatnot and so forth. But anyway, yeah, uh thanks y'all for coming out. And, oh yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you, Chris. As always. We'll, uh, hopefully talk to y'all next Monday. We'll do it again then. All right. Thank later, you guys. Y'all have a good Bye, night. later. All right, Take Thank you for listening to the Hoaxbusters Call. You can subscribe to the podcast at hoaxbusterscall.com.
can support the Hoaxbusters call by rating it on iTunes, sharing it on social media, fire off a donation at hoaxbusterscall.com. Conspicuous graffiti in public places. Hoaxbusters call. Conspiracy. Or just theory. A far cry from the grainy, shaky, unfocused terrorist videos we're used to seeing, this production displays glossy camera work and high-level production techniques. As though ISIS were taking cues from Hollywood films such as Zero Dark Thirty and The Hurt Locker to maximize the terror. Either put on these glasses or start eating that trash can. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.